द इनर क्वेस्ट द पाथ ऑफ स्पिरिचुअल अनफोल्डमेंट पंडित राजमणि तिकुनैथ through this book you may become connected with the source the spirit of the scripture and the learned master for answers to all question come from this source alone inner quest the path of spiritual unfoldment also by pandit rajmani tugnat seven system of indian philosophy yoga on war peace the tradition of the himalayan master shakti sadhana steps to samadhi dedicated to my gurudev swami ram of the himalayas introduction there comes a time when the reward and pleasure of the world lose their power to charm it can happen in a flash at a moment of achievement for example when you win a long sought promotion but instead of feeling exultant you are stunned by a sense of emptiness but it usually begin with a wisp of unease and undefinable sense that something is missing and this becomes more ins- insistent as time goes by try as we might to stifle it the disquiet grows and keeps on growing this is where the spiritual quest begins there are many ways to proceed once we start looking beneath the surface of life religious organization bookstores and new age emporium are full of suggestions astrology massage therapy meditation classes flower remedies psychotherapy ritual angel crystal as well as workshop and retreat on every subject imaginable the list goes on and on many of these routes are helpful at at yet for a time but the trial usually peters out before we find what we are actually looking for so we wander from one to another finding a quick fix here a glimmer of real answer there but never quite feeling that we are making progress this is not surprising when you think about it it is as if we are trying to get the grand canyon by flying from seattle to montreal then drifting off to paris embarking from orly for a trip up the nile and and flitting from there to the uh, yucatan before wandering up to san francisco at the end of this at the mm. end of all this exploring we are a few hundred miles closer to the grand canyon uh, than we were when we set out from seattle but the bulk of the journey still lies ahead similarly taking a few yoga classes dropping them to join a self esteem therapy group then spending a month in a zen monastery before going off to retreat to free the inner child might give us some insight into the vast potential locked within us but it will not bring us significantly closer to unlocking it the destination is still out of reach the spiritual quest is often uh, spoken of as a journey and any journey whether whether in the realm of geography or in the realm of spirit proceed in these stages if you live in colorado for instance you cannot trek to a hidden valley 
in the Himalayas until you have found your way to an airport flown to Asia and hired a vehicle to convey you into the into the mountains if you are smart you will have talked to people who have made similar treks located your route on a map purchase a reliable guidebook and spend some time hiking in the rockies exhilarating your body and breath to high altitude exertion the spiritual journey is no different to reach your goal you need some idea of the terrain that lies between you and your destination and a plan for crossing it like any traveler you will want an accurate map the best information you can get from those who who have made the trips before you and a reliable guidebook if one is to be had this is that guidebook written by a experienced traveler in the spiritual realm inner quest map out the journey and provide systematic instruction for meeting and overcoming the obstacles that lie ahead in his years of working with student pandit rajmani tigunait has found that those who embark on the spiritual quest quest ask this ask the same basic question regardless of their cultural background so he has collected the questions student have brought to him through the years and arranged them to address the issues that come up as a seeker journey inward they run the gamut from straightforward question about diet and exercise to metaphysical queries about the nature of reality and how karma comes into existence if you if you start at the beginning of inner quest and lead straight through the through to the end you will come away with a clear picture of what the spiritual journey journey entails and how to find your way to the heart of your inner realm on the other hand you may prefer to consult the table of content and go right to the question that address your most pressing concern or you may close to browse leafing leafing through the the chapter and reading chapter and reading the answer to the question that catch your eye however you first approach it you will reach for this title book again and again and as and as your inward journey journey progress and you begin to master your body breath and mind you will find yourself rereading certain section finding answer to question you did not know you had i say this because because this book has already served me in this has already served me in this way <coughs> much of it first appeared as a question and answer column in the magazine yoga international pandit tigunait has has since written the last two chapters specifically for this volume and added other questions to the to the body of the to the body of the book to close any gaps that remained after the column had been compiled i worked with much of the material in its first incarnation and revisited it all while editing it in while editing it in its present 
form i had not seen some of the column in more than 4 years and if asked i probably would have said i understood them then thinking i had nothing further to learn from them but as i went through the material again i found much that i had understood only superficially the first time around and something i had not even i had not even remembered because at the time i originally edited the column edited the column my own experience had not yet reached at point at which they resonated for me and as and as i thumb through this volume in the future i know i will find answer to question i don't have even now so i like any guidebook inner quest can be used in whatever way suit you as an overall guide as a quick reference or as an inexhaustible treasury that will hasten your journey and keep you on on a clear path debri willobe editor yoga international magazine january 1995 exploration and commitment what is spirituality spirituality is a complete science that entails a comprehensive study of the intrinsic nature of the soul and its relationship both to the external world and to universal con- universal consciousness when this when this science is not coupled with contemplative or meditative technique for attaining the actual experience of higher reality it is it is philosophy or metaphysics when it is based on faith alone and is accompanied by superstition dogma custom and cultural activity it is religion when it is accompanied by practice which although difficult to grasp intellectually have the power to end unveil subtle and often indescri- indescribable realm of inner experience it is mysticism only when this science rests firmly on a philosophy of life incorporates ethical and moral value that are indispensable to health and well-being and at the same time provides a workable system of self training leading to self transformation can it correctly be called spirituality practically speaking spirituality has two integral part theories and practices for removing obstacles to the inward journey theories and practice that that elucidate the inner core of reality and lead an aspirant there step by step the goal of spirituality is direct realization of true self and its relationship with the universal self the body and mind are the most efficient tools for achieving that goal keeping the body and mind in good health creating a balance between the two and finally directing all one resources towards spiritual unfoldment are the steps needed in spiritual practice a spiritual practice that fails to eliminate the condition of illness procrastination doubt laziness hopelessness indulgence in sense pleasures confusion instability 
and inability to concentrate is like a body without breath such a practice is lifeless involving practice is lifeless involving involving yourself in spiritual practice even those that are valid and potent while disregarding the process of purification is like drinking pure water from a grimy cup the first step in spiritual practice is to address the health of the body a healthy mind can dwell only in a healthy body because a confused mind is not fit for any kind of practice the next step is to work with the mind uh, systematically working with the body breath and mind introduces you to various levels of yourself and help you overcome the obstacles to attaining direct experiential knowledge and truth when these obstacles have been overcome you will have more time and energy for your actual practice which involves gaining access to the vast potential that lie dormant within your body and mind thus a holistic approach to spirituality involves working with your body by practicing asana pranayam and mudra the subtle yogic technique for unlocking pranic forces and rechanneling them toward the center of your being you unfold the power of the mind by practicing the technique of concentration and meditation which enable you to collect the forces of the mind and direct them toward the center of consciousness known as atman or the soul only a properly trained and one pointed mind can go beyond the realm of the ordinary mind attaining a direct experience of the soul is ultimately which is meant by spiritual enlightenment but those primary and secondary practices that help you reach your reach this sublime goal are also an intrinsic part of spirituality what is spiritual practice spirituality is an extremely broad term its definition changes depending on our understanding of life in general when people are trying to achieve something intangible and there is no direct connection between the means and the goal they call it spirituality in this sense spirituality takes different form depending on the culture and the end and the end result being sought for example members of the tribal community may perform a ritual involving herbs ceremonial fires dancing and chanting for them these are spiritual practices in a modern european community people may go to a church and listen to a minister or a priest say prayers how bow before an altar sing hymn and observe special holidays both communities believe these practices are a means of contacting spiritual or the center of consciousness or the core of being when we set out to reach the core of our being when we try to know the essence of our existence we are said to be embarking on the spiritual path in relation to yoga i have known people who consider their hatha yoga routine a spiritual practice they do some yogic stretching exercise in the morning a few round of alternate nostril breathing a relaxation exercise and consider that they have completed their spiritual practice for the day but according to another standard 
spirituality is the attainment of pure knowledge which leads to the realization of the inner self those who hold this belief would tell you that would tell you that only method which help in attaining retaining and applying knowledge of that inner truth can truly be called spiritual practice what is the most important thing i should know before committing myself to a path of spirituality that is rooted in a foreign culture before you embrace a spiritual discipline especially one that comes from the culture other other than the one you were raised in you must understand the distinction between religion and spiritual practice you must know whether you are really searching for truth or uh, simply adopting another religion all religion offer more or less the same thing inspirational talk elaborate ceremonies hope for heaven and fear of hell most promote most promote fear of health most promote the supremacy of the clergy if it is religion you are seeking stick to one you were raised in there there are three reason why this is the best course fit if you adopt a new system of philosophy and spirituality merely because you you are seeking a change you will soon be bored and disappointed second your family and friend will subject you you ridicule and scrutiny and treat you as an oddity and finally the most important it will lead you nowhere if you are 30 year old you have been assimilating a philosophy a set of moral values religious sentiment and other cultural and spiritual element for 30 years this has done much to create the personality you you have today if you suddenly abandon your religion and your value system and jump into something complete new it will take 30 years to erase what you have already assimilated and another 30 to assimilate the new religion that you are mistaking for spirituality thus at the age of 90 you will find yourself back where you were and when you were 30 what's the point use your own background as the foundation for your spiritual practice and move on from there the first step is to identify what is best in your own in your own background and personality and use it as a stepping stone in the pursuit of spiritual do not waste your time condemning your religious orientation but do not deny your thirst for knowledge and inner peace either just for food water and oxygen are equally important to everyone regardless of denomination Regardless of denomination, a set of physical exercises, breathing practice, and relaxation, and concentration, and concentration technique are beneficial to all. Cultivating a healthy body and and sound mind is an integral part of any spiritual discipline. Doing this, doing this will not conflict with your original religion. whatever it may be as 
as for the subtle aspect of spirituality they will gradually unfold as you progress on the on the path begin begin practicing those technique which cultivate a healthy body and mind and and they will lead your awareness to the higher runs of consciousness spiritual practice is not the province of any particular culture when should i seek spiritual guidance the need for guidance usually arises at two different points in life the first is when you feel a need to take care of your spiritual self but don't know how you want to start but don't know where to where to begin the second point at which the spiritual guidance is often needed is when you have already started your journey but find yourself lost the practices which used to make sense no longer seem meaningless you may have reached a plateau and don't know what is next or you might be facing a wall and don't know how to scale it that is the time to seek guidance a map is useless unless you know how to use it to reach your destination a true guide will not only give you the map he or she will also help you locate your position or on it and gather the resources you need to follow it when you are ill you seek the advice of the doctor if you if the treatment is not helping you discuss your symptom with your doctor who will then make a more precise diagnosis similarly when you feel the when you feel the pressing need for spiritual care you seek the guidance of a teacher while undertaking the spiritual discipline he or she recommend recommend if you feel lost or stuck discuss this with your with your teacher he or she will help you restructure your practice and will give you precise instruction on how you how you to free yourself from the obstacle you are facing clearing the hurdles clearing the hurdles purifying the ego is it possible to become advanced in meditations practice and still have serious ego problem yes it is quite possible to develop an advanced meditation practice in spite of a big ego or other negative personality trait if an if an egoistic if an egoistic student work hard and does the practice correctly he or she may develop will power and achieve siddhi's extraordinary ability but an egoistical mediator can never become a sage as you develop your meditation practice you will come to understand why ego problems are serious it is possible to use meditation as a means to overcome an ego problem but if you have decided to love your ego and live with it then meditation become a then meditation becomes a becomes a means of nourishing and strengthening your ego in that case meditation will help you advance in your ego problem this kind of meditation cannot unfold the joy of the self meditation is a powerful tool meditation with ego 
is like a flower with no fragrance but meditation that is uh, devoid of ego and nourished by devotion bhakti is like an eternal flower that feel the fragrance of the divine and egoistical mediator can harm him or herself and others whereas a mediator who is free from ego and guided by devotion can be a torch bearer for the human race isn't strong ego necessary to live successfully in the world don't i also need a strong ego to do spiritual practice you don't need a strong ego to live successful in the world what you need a strong will and a determination to direct all your all your energies toward all your energies toward your desired goal western psychology has not clearly distinguished between the power of ego and the power of will and determination in a sense the power of the ego is blind but the power of will has vision because its source is the pure self ego springs from a false sense of identification uh, avidya and usually focuses on on uh, preserving self image and self identity ego is accompanied by by stubbornness selfishness and an unwillingness to compromise the power of ego is like a little pool in that pool an egoistical person lives like a frog his world is small his border insecure and from his perspective only his own thought feeling and voice are meaningless but the but the power of will spring from inner self from pure being it infuses the mind and body with enthusiasm courage and ever growing curiosity to know and the energy energy to act in yogic literature this particular force the intrinsic power of the soul is called ichcha shakti it is from it is from this force that all the aspect and our personality including ego receive energy to carry out their activities in order to be successful in order to be successful in the world you need a strong will but that but that strong will needs to be properly guided then you will be able to develop a strong personality and cultivate a powerful self image rather than developing a trivial egoistical personality there is a vast difference between a strong personality and an egoistical personality a strong personality exhibit tolerance and endurance and forgives and forget in spite of having the power to van to vanquish and punish an opponent but an egoistical person exhibit his or her weakness by answering a pebble with a cannon such people lose their composure the moment they are even slightly slightly hurt they have a hard time forgetting the injuries they have received from others and an ever harding and an even harder time remembering how much they have hurt others all the problems in the world at home at work or in government are caused by the collision of ego these problem are overcome not by one ego dominating others but by the person of strong will and clear vision coming forward and overshadowing the tribal ego of those who are quarreling as for the question of whether you need a strong ego to do sadhana 
the answer is no definitely not the stronger your ego the bigger the hurdle it will create however if you kill your ego you might kill what motivates you to embark on the spiritual path and stay on it therefore do not attempt to kill therefore do not attempt to kill your ego or even even to weaken it your uh, what your ego need is purification transformation and transformation and guidance how can you purify the ego you purify and transform your ego by by using your present level of intelligence and your power of discrimination by meditating contemplating praying studying and scriptures and seeking and seeking the company of the wise you make your ego purer and less confined this inspires you to move one step ahead from here the purified ego accompanied by accompanied by a sharpened intellect get a glimpse of the next level of expanded awareness and naturally aspires to reach it does the ego does the ego becomes the tool for purifying and expanding itself in this way the small ego begins its journey toward an expanded more purified ego along the way it becomes apparent that this journey must end with the ego dissolving and becoming one with the pure self also known as universal consciousness at some point the ego of the dedicated seeker merges with the infinite universal ego the soul of the universe such an ego sees the whole universe within itself and itself in the in the whole universe that's a bit too philosophical for me uh, from a practical standpoint how you go about purifying your ego although it is although it is stirs and to the point is the true answer is one i have already given contemplation meditation prayer study of the scriptures and the and the company of the wise purify the ego however any obstacle that arise again and again should be noted and the student should focus on removing that particular obstacle for example if in the process of purification and inner expansion the student is constantly facing problem caused by stubbornness then he or she must not find a meditative or contemplative practice that provides an antidote to stubbornness if doubt and inferiority complex and and or vanity are the main hurdles then the personal practice must be devised that will help the student overcome these obstacles be honest with yourself and gather the courage to face your own problems start working with yourself without any hesitation however if you are not that strong or clear and therefore are not sure that you will be ever be able to identify your own problem find a teacher but here to uh, there is any obstacle you must be flexible and open to learning from a teacher and those are characteristics you will have to engender by yourself how can i know if my action are coming from my ego or from my will the tussle between ego and will occurs when we keep doing things that others oppose or refuse to do things 
that others are urging us to do in such situation it is important to ask yourself if you are being driven by ego or by will the degree of fear involved in your action feeling of insecurity the sense of tarnishing your self image and your concern with the opinions of others is a sign that you are you are acting from your ego a defensive attitude is a symptom of your hidden recognition that your ego is being threatened this hidden recognition drives you to take every possible measure to protect your position and defend your point of view also seeking a reward for your action is a sure sign that you are motivated by ego when you are when you are operating from will your motivation is pure unselfish and free from the need to protect your self image your action are not influenced by your reaction you are affected by neither positive nor negative comment from others you are pulled to do what you do what you do purely by the voice of your heart when you are pouring your mind and heart into your action without seeking a reward you can be sure that you are acting from the strength of your will what is the cause of fear how can fear be overcome fear in innate anyone who is born is afflicted by fear the greatest of all fear is the fear of death this fear springs from human tendency to cling to life without knowing what life actually is we humans identify ourselves with our bodies and we are terrified by the knowledge that our bodies are subject to change death and decay from the moment of birth to the moment of death we busy we busy ourselves gathering any external resources that might help us preserve our physical existence yet all the while we know that ultimately all our effort will be in the vain and our bodies will perish because we think we are our body this realization is terrifying and causes intense pain the desire of self preservation spring from the ego ego is a psychological principle through which we identify with the body and the mind thus confining our awareness to a very limited range we became attached to the confined sense of i amness and are consumed with the desire of with the with the desire to preserve this identity with the body and mind the ego does not want its boundaries to be broken but at the same time it feels lonely when it feels self isolated from others the ego does not want its privacy disturbed but at the same time it wants to receive love from the whole world even though isolation is painful we isolate ourselves primarily because of our confined self identity this tendency of the ego makes us fearful selfish greedy and self centered the internally we become miser we do not want to give anything to anyone and yet we expected to give to give us but we do but we do not want them to break through the wall of self identity that our ego have built this self created misery cannot be cured by by anyone else or by or by anything externally the only cure is to trace fear back to its root 
in desire attachment and ego unless we feed the aspect of our personality that is actually sick the ego itself there is no hope of attaining freedom from fear the problem of ego arises from ignorance mistaking the unreal for the for the real a false identity is developed i am i am this this body so long as a human being does as a human being does not know his or her immortal eternal blissful nature he or she will always be afraid of losing losing this self imposed identity the body is the body is not the soul it is not immortal the body dies as long as we remain ignorant and cling to the belief i am the body we will be victim of fears knowing the atman the real self is the only way of attaining final freedom from fear fear of losing the world next is fear of losing the world i have been very uh, little uh, since yoga became a part of my daily life my friend and i don't have much in common and they seem put put off by my new way of life this sometimes makes me feel uncertain about the course i have chosen skillful action is one of the requirement of spiritual life you may be creating unnecessary problem for yourself by talking too much about your spiritual path this is common especially in the beginning before you have actually experienced the support that comes from higher truth and before the ground underneath you is solid when you are first beginning your search you must be very you must be very careful take care take care not to create take care not to create a conflict with your friend and family members don't challenge their belief and lifestyle this will cause tension in your relationship you do not have the time to argue with other in fact you do not you do not yet have the strength to sustain your own assertion instead of clarifying your own ideas and strengthening your sense of purpose wasting precious time in these meaningless debates can actually increase your doubt remember remember that in a war each side can easily justify its action don't expect to strengthen your conviction through reason and logic and don't expect others to validate your path the best the best logician in the world uh, may also be the best liar intellectual understanding ultimately comes ultimately comes up short intuitive understanding intuitive understanding is the only way to know what is right and wrong what good what's good and bad for you you must find a way of living that makes the best use of your time and energy when you can overcome self condemnation and the fear of being abandoned every human being is always alone you came into this world alone and you and you will leave it alone you will never get inner peace and satisfaction from external objects you cannot share your inner life not even with those who claim to love you and those you you claim to love in fact they are the ones that make you lonely even so at this stage it is best not to become too adamant and say i don't care whether others like my way 
of life or not unless you go off to live in the forest or a mountain or a cave you are you are at the mercy of the community in which you live at least at least to some degree remain a member in in good standing this is the best way to ensure that people that other people will create a minimum minimum number of obstacles for you maintain harmony with the external world while finding your way internally can you give me more practical advice about how to live in the world while going while going spirituality come uh, worldly and spiritual life cannot be com- completely separated because you cannot maintain your existence without the help of the material world you must learn how to obtain sufficient worldly resources and how to use these resources as a means for obtaining spiritual wisdom the trick is to expand your consciousness without losing yourself in the material world in relationship to the world to be vigilant like a like the hawk who focuses on its prey while keeping an eye out for possible danger the heron is another model of the right attitude toward the toward the world it stands still in the water as if in deep meditation but when the right moment comes it catches the fish in a flash be still and patient when there is when there is no need to be active when it is time to act perform your action effectively and on time and again return to the state of stillness learn how how to relax like a dog relaxes uh a dog falls asleep quickly but if anything moves it it's awake in an instant and ready for action when the moment he has passed the dog falls the dog falls asleep again work hard but take it lightly perform your duties to the to the best of your ability but with it but with as little attachment as possible don't get lost in an endless round endless round of worldly duties and obligation no matter how skillfully you are or how selflessly you carry out your duties there will be still be an endless number of things left undone at the end of your life if you don't learn how to balance duties and your personal spiritual practice you will be lost regulate your life go to go to sleep on time and get up on time maintain a schedule when it is time to sleep sleep when it is time to get up get up after 10 pm even a 5 minute deviation from your schedule makes a difference for example a close friend calls you after 10 pm and you and you feel you have to talk to him or her conversation with those who are close to offer affect you deeply so you may so you may be able to able to sleep for a while after the after the conversation is conversation is over if your sleep is disrupted it will be difficult to get up on time in the morning if you sleep late your schedule is in shambles from the perspective of your pra- of your practice this conversation with your friend is not constructive when you are developing the habit of practice everything counts you have to consciously 
make a strong commitment to your practice and resolve that while you will not ignore the world you will not let it get in the way of your sadhana either does this mean i have to give up my close friend no skillful people act in such a way that they are not abandoned by others but it is even more important not to abandon other this is subtle point don't think now i have i have found the way in the uh, i have found the way and con- and to hell with everyone else rejecting others is a sign that you have an internal conflict and you feel abandoned never reject others because they are not living according to your standard instead look at your own life and remember how long it took you to become firmly established on the path think how lucky you are to have gotten help along the way rather than focusing on what other people are doing wrong think about how how you can be a tiny lamp to light to light there to light their way most of us already know most of us already know know better than to be a narrow minded we know that principle of right and principle of right and wrong different according to time and place we know that god loves us all and we should love one another but somehow we forget why because we fail to remember the needs of the soul at the level of the soul are we different all of us have same awareness or sense of iness we all want to express ourselves a seed pushes all obstruction away and sends a sprout to the surface when it is when it receives water warmth and light it it is a miracle that a tender sprout can push uh, pebbles and clods aside and make its way to the surface it works hard and strive for life even if it does not get enough nourishment it will often survive and struggle to bloom the same is true with the with the life of the spirit the tiny seed of consciousness is constantly trying to express express itself despite life hardship no matter how hard the journey uh, no matter how many obstacle it must overcome it never stops constant awareness help us stay focused on our goal the disorganized lifestyle is disruptive and distract our awareness from the highest goal of life that is why in spite of knowing the value of goal we fail to practice sincerely and wholeheartedly does the tiny seed does the tiny seed of consciousness which which constantly tries to express itself becomes weak and fail to blossom yet attending to this process of inner unfoldment does not mean we have to abandon our family and friends what happen is that when this process of unfoldment slows down we feel sad and lost that internal sadness manifest in feeling of abandonment we feel that we have abandoned others or others have abandoned us whereas in truth these feeling are simply symptom of loneliness for the eternal friend within it is 
it is a conflict that we little basis in external reality during those period when we notice that the process of inner unfoldment has slowed we feel lost and project these feeling outward we frantically begin to notice who else does not care for us we must shake off the tendency to be discouraged and continue with our practice working to refine our perception only after we have lit the lamp with in can we walk safely on our own personal path then we can light the path of others at the same time spirituality involves the spirituality involves the expansion the expansion of consciousness as your consciousness expand you embrace all and exclude none everyone becomes your friend yet you remain un undisturbed by the friendly or unfriendly activities of those around you i will be getting married in a few months my finances my fiance my fiance follows uh, a different teacher and her practice are different from the one i have from the one i have been given it is necessary for a married couple to have the same teacher and practice no it is wonderful if a wife and husband have the same teacher and follow the same path it will lessen the strain that inevitably come with with the marriage but it is by no means necessary however in order to live a healthy and happy life you must respect each other path and honor each other practices always keep in mind that even though you have different teachers and different practices you are both moving in the same direction your values are the similar your values are the same or similar that is why you became close in the first place minimize your minimize your differences you if you felt a strong conflict regarding your spiritual regarding your spiritual values and practices and yet fell in love anyway this is not pure love but rather an expression of physical attraction and emotional involvement if that was the case your your marriage will neither healthy nor happy and it will eventually fall apart whether or not we consider ourselves to be a spiritual spiritual values hold a very important place in our lives when we marry our spiritual value must marry to if they don't we end up living with loneliness spiritual loneliness is even more painful than loneliness at the physical and emotional levels therefore as a married couple either you must provide enough space for each other to grow independently or one of you must ad- adjust to the other spiritual model either course requires understanding the truth is if you really love someone you will love that person's teacher and practice too my husband and i are long term practitioner of meditation we are concerned that our son we are concerned that our son now too will be unduly influenced unduly influenced by the cultural emphasis on the external external and the material 
हाउ कैन वी नर्चर अ लव फॉर स्पिरिचुअल वैल्यू इन आवर सन शुड वी अडॉप्ट फॉर्मल टीचिंग मेथड और सिंपली ट्रस्ट दैट ही विल पिक दैम अप फ्रॉम द एटमोसफेयर वी क्रिएट इन आवर होम यू विल क्रिएट एंड नर्चर अ ग्रेट डील ऑफ लव फॉर स्परिचुअलिटी इन आवर चिल्ड्रेन वेन यू अलाउ योर ओन स्परिचुअलिटी टू मैनिफेस्ट एफर्टलेसली इन योर थाट स्पीच एंड एक्शन योर चिल्ड्रेन एक्सपेक्ट लव एंड अफेक्शन फ्रॉम यू द लास्ट थिंग दे विल एक्सेप्ट इज द इम्पोजिशन ऑफ रिजिड डिसिप्लिन मेक श्योर योर मेथड ऑफ इंस्पायरिंग एंड गाइडिंग योर चिल्ड्रेन इन स्परिचुअल मैटर्स does not create a bad impression in their mind excessive preaching and lecturing and overt attempt to convert their behavior will make a negative impression and they may rebel instead let them notice how much value you place on spiritual principle compared to all other component of your daily life through observation they will figure out the connection between the brighter and loving part of you and your spiritual practice children are smart their mind are like sponges especially in the early years they gather information by comparing and contrasting they process this information and assimilate only only that which makes sense i have heard children talking about their home making astute comment about why why their parents and their friends parents talk and behave in a particular way if you are maintaining a spiritual environment in your home your children will automatically figure out why compared with their friend parents you are so wonderful that much realization will be enough what constitute a spiritual environment and how can we maintain one in our home the foremost component of spirituality is love for inner truth creating a spiritual environment means working towards that inner truth using all worldly objects and achievement as means meditation is a meditation is a system through which we shift our search for truth from the external to the internal world to create a spiritual environment therefore you need you need not only to maintain a regular schedule for your spiritual practice and let all and let all your other schedules your other schedules center center around it you may not be able to alter the time that you must leave for work or the time you get home but leave for work only after you have attended you have attended to the core of your of your life your formal meditation practice it doesn't matter if your practice time is relatively short your children will come to understand that the 10 minute you spend in meditation are more important to you than the 10 hours you spend at your job this concept gradually sinks into into their mind and they they automatically find themselves drawn to spiritual practice if as in your case your child is quite young simply sit down at the same time every day and do your practice if possible let your partner take care of child during during that time if this is not feasible let the child occupy himself with some other activity while you meditate but be 
want because you are quiet and not paying attention to your son he will want your attention to get it he may he may cry if it does not work he may pull your hair or pinch you if this happens manage the situation by lovingly ignoring him let your son know that you love him very much but that these 10 minutes are very important to you and you will attend to him only when they are over for for a for a week or even a month he he will try his best to get you to acknowledge his right to your attention but gradually he will see that you cannot be swayed and and he will be trained this childhood training is more important than any other spiritual training you may provide later on this is how i managed my practice while raising two children i kept an extra pillow and blanket and a bottle of milk next to my meditation seat when my son was 2 years old he always woke up at exactly 5 am and walked and walked to sleep sleepily from the bedroom to the meditation room he would cry if the door to the meditation room was closed so i left the door open i know that he would be coming so when he arrived i extended my hand and gently laid him on the on the pillow put the bottle in his mouth and covered him with the blanket while he drank the milk he fell asleep and i continued my practice my teacher used to tell me that the young child can be taught during his sleep before before having children i never knew how this was possible now i know that my son learned meditation while he was sleeping next to me as i did my as i did my practice uh, i never knew this was possible now i know that my son learned meditation while he was sleeping next to me i did my so as i did my practice the devi mahatma states that although there are bad children there can never be a bad mother yet some mother abuse abandon and even kill their children how do we square this with the spiritual with the scriptural statement the devi mahat the devi mahatma is a shakta scriptures which means it comes from tradition that regard the divine mother shakti as the highest reality the scripture is referring to the sublime form of motherhood that transcends the imperfection of human relationship the mother spoken of is one who knows only how to give love and sacrifice herself for her children these virtues do not grow in the contaminated soil of the four primitive urges the desire for food sleep sex and self preservation nor are they product of our biochemistry these are divine virtues and they manifest more spontaneously in women than they do in men that is why in the vedic tradition a dwelling is considered to be to be a home only if a woman is is at its nucleus in her absence it is merely a house the devi mahatma is referring to mother who loves her 
children unconditionally she does not care how good or bad her children are but only for what they need and what will make them happen thus in the mythology of the shakta tradition the mother gladly severs her own head so that her children can drink her blood as a wine and eat her body as bread such as such a courageous and compassionate mother is known as chinamasta and the follower of his branch of yoga say with confidence that christ himself was a manifestation of chinamasta because your question is specific to mother i will stick to mother but it should be understood that father also have that father also have these problems the spiritual virtues of human kind have declined through the ages along with many other virtues such as moral strength truthfulness and selflessness that is why the statement that there can never be a bad mother seemed far-fetched and unrealistic today negligent and abusive mothering is a chronic problem that has been passed on from one generation to another if a girl is not raised with wisdom love and attention she will have she will have a hard time spontaneously exhibiting these virtues toward her own children and her children will have similar difficulties but if this cycle can be broken by cultivating an awareness of the virtue of divine motherhood a woman inherited emotional injuries will be healed as the pain she has undergone in childhood is eased the positive virtue of divine motherhood will manifest will manifest in her and she will give the best to her children without uh, without caring whether or not they are perfectly well behaved or live up to her expectation from for them the trauma visited on children by their parents is a is a hot topic these days there are many many counseling and therapeutic uh, paradigm for healing this trauma but so far 100% effectiveness seems to be 100% effectiveness seems to be rare the spiritual the spiritual approach advocated by yoga shakta tradition is to forget what has happened in the past and create a bright future for ourselves instead however these old memories cannot simply be forgotten for they are powerful and push their way into our mind field the only way to let the past be the past is to forgive our mothers but forgiving implies that the mother was at fault and as long as this as long as this thought remains in our mind we are simply acting out a drama of mm-hmm. forgiveness thus yoga advice that even if we are abused in childhood it is still important to develop the attitude that they can never be a bad mother this can be done by contemplating on the truth that human nature that human nature is essentially divine hurting others is not a part of our intrinsic nature no one deliberately sets out to harm others for the sake of harming them this is specially true of mothers and their children mothers harm their children when their when their mind and emotion have been 
distorted by stress and their perception distorted by their own pain and confusion people do not realize this that only those who have been hurt themselves can hurt others and still try to get help from a therapist or a spiritual teacher usually are struck struggling with the bitter image of a bad parent they are holding in their mind often such people see the see the therapist or teacher as the as the parent and sooner or later they they try to even be score with that image that is when they turn on the therapist or the teacher and occurrence that is becoming quite common yoga philosophy seems to concentrate on individual transformation but says little about the crucial issue of transformation the world around us what about world peace and other pressing issues does yoga advocate withdrawing into meditation and ignoring the external world by no means but yoga philosophy recognizes that communities evolve from individual and that external peace evolves from internal peace any meaningful transformation of humanity must begin with the individual and proceed from there according to yoga according individual according to yoga individual are being of light if human kind is to live in peace and harmony this light must manifest and radiate from a significant number of individuals the relationship between individual and humanity is like the relationship between the trees and the forest just as a large group of individual trees viewed collectively is a forest group of individual form families communities societies and ultimately humanity at first glance it might not be obvious how a forest deteriorates when individual trees are diseased yet it is impossible to have a healthy forest without healthy trees likewise it is impossible to have a wise and just society without wise and just individual that is why the sages who whose concern and compassion for humanity are boundless uh, have always emphasized the enlightenment and self transformation of of individual as the as the quality of each individual life improves the lives of those around her or him automatically improve and this improves the quality of life for society as a for society as a whole overcoming obstacles how can i tell the difference between temptation and something that is good for me no matter how glamorous and and charming it seems if an object if an object or activity causes you to have a second thought about your journey and the importance of reaching the goal then it's temptation nothing that distract you from the path is good no matter how good it appears nothing is more important than reaching your goal and feeling inner fulfillment anything that distract you from your goal is a temptation and and is to be avoided the four greatest the four greatest obstacles to spiritual life are said uh, to be 
to be anger, hatred, jealousy, and greed. But knowing this does not help me get rid of these feelings. I do not want to be angry or jealous, but but telling myself not to be, but telling myself not to be does not work. How can I? How can I overcome these obstacles? Teacher described these technique for dealing with these problems. The most common suggestion are witness these emotions as as if from a distance and let them go. Analyze the nature of these obstacles. Understand understand their causes, then deal deal with them appropriately. Cultivate a positive attitude which automatically will counteract these negative feelings. Meditate and pray more. Avoid situation in which these obstacles arise, and so on. But in my experience, none of these solutions work in the long run. They sound good in theory, but when we are caught in the throes of these powerful obstacles, such advice is not very helpful. These solutions seems to work only as long as we are teaching them to others. I will tell you what other. What works for me, although I do not know how easy it is for to cultivate. Uh, it is for I do not know how easy it is to others to cultivate and and live with this concept that works for me is maintaining the constant awareness of my ist deva, a completely personal concept. Of God to give you a clear understanding of what I mean. I will relate one of my experiences. Once my Guru Dev gave me a japa practice, repeating a mantra a specific number of times. I was supposed to complete the practice in uh, 36 days and to observe certain disciplines during that time. But I broke the discipline and I had to start over uh, all over again. This happened several times. Frustrated. I finally decided to do the practice in solitude while observing silence. I also decided to triple the practice so that I so that I could do it in twelve days rather than in rather than in thirty six. Ah, uh, it was January and and I had lecture scheduled every weekend. All. But one were in cities distant from my home at the Himalayan Institute. During that one weekend, I was scheduled to lecture at the seminar at the Institute. I asked my colleague if if it was possible to schedule my lecture for an evening so I could so I could walk quietly over over to to the main building giving my lecture and my. And my resume, my silence. They, they kindly scheduled me for Saturday night. I moved to a secluded cottage on the institute ground, and begin my and begin my practice on Thursday. One of my colleagues heard that an ice storm was forecast for Saturday, thinking it would be inconvenient for me to walk to the lecture hall. In such conditions, he sent. And moved, asking if I could lecture Friday evening. Another instead of Saturday evening, I wrote yes and sent it back. A day later, she sent another note asking, "It is it all? Is it 
all right if we lecture sunday morning again i wrote okay but saturday morning she sent yet another note saying i think it would be better if you lecture tonight i lost my temper seething with fury i thought she is deliberately trying to disturb me she is a bad person she does not like me the anger and hatred occupied my mind so strongly that i could not do the japa of my mantras usually it took 3 minutes to complete one round on my mala but looking at my watch i noticed that 15 minutes had passed and i was only halfway through a single round i got scared and thought if i can't overcome my emotions how will i complete my practice i took a shower to change my mood but it did not help i went for a walk hoping the frigid air would would cool me off but that did not help either i did not want to be angry but i did not know how not to be i tried to witness my turmoil from a distance and let it go but i could not get any distance i tried my best to analyze I tried my best to analyze the nature of my upheaval and understand its cause but my mind was so unsteady and scattered that it failed to focus on the process of analyzing analysis and self observation I also I also told myself hey be positive I must be I must be doing this for a good reason none of these techniques helped probably because i was already in such a frame of mind that i could not apply them properly i even went so far as to put into practice my childhood belief in purifying the meditation room removing obstacles by reciting a purifactory and protective mantras mantras and drawing a line around my meditation seat with another set of mantras nothing helped now my frustration was now my frustration was complete with a deep sense of despondency i picked up my favorite scripture the ramayana and begged <coughs> and begged for help you are you are a gift to seeker from the wise and compassionate sage valmiki you embody the noble deed of rama who walked um, among the human in the flesh to uplift those who who were stuck in the mud of affliction today i am stuck come forward o light o light of the sage and uplift me so praying i open the uh, uplift me so praying i open the book at random and saw the and saw the couplet in which shiva is speaking to his wife parvati roughly translated it goes like this o uma how can one who is surrendered at the feet of rama and con- and consequently and consequently is free from ego desire anger and greed and who see this world as through it is manifestation of ishta deva maintain any anger or or any any mosity toward anyone i was awestruck i realized that my faith in my ishta deva was not complete my surrender was not 
my surrender was not complete as a result i was still under the influence of anger hatred jealousy and greed i was certainly unable to see this world worldly object and people including the friend writing those notes as a manifestation of my ist deva what a low grade aspirant i was this realization lifted the veil from my ego and transported me to the realm where automatically i surrendered my anger my anger dissolved and i resumed my practice only a person who has surrendered has the courage and the ability to acknowledge ability to acknowledge his or her fault and still remain free from guilt only such an aspirant can pray with feeling receive guidance and overcoming and overcome these four obstacles which are otherwise indomitable my biggest obstacle is procrastination procrastination i can't seem to get around to establish establishing my practice the way i know i should why do i keep procrastination one of the causes of procrastination is is lack of desire without a burning desire people tend to put things off small this small uh, discomfort get in 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 the way for example you think i don't have a good room to do my practice next month i will move and then i i will begin my practice but next month i have to paint the i have to paint the new apartment then you think my daughter then you think my daughter is visiting once she is gone i will begin my practice these are all excuses and and excuses are endless excuses are a form of guilt therapy you connect reason to justify your procrastination so you won't feel guilty about it underlying problem is that you have not yet come to understand that your spiritual goal is the most important part of your of your life everything else is left behind at death only knowledge and and sanskaras stored in the mind go with you you have not yet grasped this and may not even believe it that's why you continue to procrastinate <coughs> are there techniques that can help me are there techniques that can help me overcome procrastination in our technological society we have come to believe that everything depends on technique technique help smooth the way but when it comes to uh, penetrating your own inner being are they are of no avail what you need are some principle and philosophies of life that will uh, prevent your mind from being disturbed by the external world you must have you must have sincerity otherwise you will procrastinate and your practice will be irregular when you are when you are sincere you you pour your heart your whole heart into your practice and when you do and when you do that your practice will be so rewarding you won't you won't uh, want to miss it your whole heart 
your whole heart is in the practice only when you understand how crucial your practice is uh, if if you believe that it is the most important part of your life more important than your 8 or 10 hours at the office for example you would certainly do it think about it why do you always get to the office on time for one for one of the two reason either because either uh, because of fear the fear of losing your job the fear of losing out a promotion and so on because you love your work so much that you are eager to get started in the morning if you really understand that you will lose your internal world if you neglect your practice then you will put more emphasis on it if you fall in love with your practice skipping it will become unbearable uh, this is a role of knowledge you must come to know what is important and eternal know which world you really dwell in even in the even in this life even while you are while you are in this body the external teacher and the teacher within yoga is said to be a systematic path leading to enlightenment and self realization and it is said that yoga means union between the individual self and the universal consciousness and that the goal of this path is to attain perfect control over the modification of the mind yet most yoga centers and teachers offer instruction only in yoga postures and breathing exercise with an occasional nod to psychology most do not teach meditation and few that do confine themselves to basic technique why the the goal of yoga is gaining control over the modification of the mind and finally and finally attaining the direct experience of one inner self more than 2000 years ago when the sage patanjali uh codified the system of yoga he did not put much emphasis on physical exercises and included only advanced pranayam breathing practices in this system in those days either hatha yoga or pranayam practice were so common that they did not needed to be mentioned or people lived such balanced harmonious lives and were and were in such good health that they did not need to make the physical postures and breathing exercise and integral part of their spiritual practice today however we seem to be stuck at the level of body consciousness more than half of our time and energy is spent in dealing with mental issues and what remains goes to addressing physical complaint and survival issues this leaves little time for purely spiritual pursuit and for answering the essential question what is our origin what is the purpose of life is there any higher reality uh, than than the one we perceive what is the relationship between our individual consciousness and absolute consciousness yoga classes reflect this concern with body consciousness the second reason yoga teaching lacks depth is that many of the today's yoga centers are run by teachers whose 
whose knowledge of yoga is confined to the to the physical postures asanas and the simple breathing practice so this is what they teach this is also the area of yoga that interests the greatest number of students after practicing hatha yoga for several years and studying yoga text some student begin begin to eat uh, for deeper dimension of yogic wisdom they naturally develop a commitment to a spiritual dimension of yoga but even these but even these uh, transpired students uh, face the face the same problem as everyone else their physical their physical energy is depleted and their mind are scattered consequently they cannot afford to exclude asana and breathing exercise from their spiritual discipline there are some teachers who know the inner essence of yoga and who have inherited the wisdom of ancient yoga scriptures but in a materialistic society such as ours it is very difficult for them to teach <coughs> it takes money to advertise that the teaching are available and even when they manage to do this such classy are poorly attended however any student who is prepared and who is earnestly searching will find qualified teachers and the authentic teaching which lead to supreme goal of yoga self realization how do i know uh, which of many path of yoga is best for me 6 month after you start practicing systematically observe the observe the degree to which you have overcome the problem and concern you had you had at the beginning is your mind less scattered is your body stronger and flexible do you have more energy if you have been if you have been uh, working if you have been working systematically you will find that your capacity has expanded make good use of that expanded capacity by seeking more advanced instruction if you have become enchanted with the sublime philosophy and metaphysics of yoga and if you have come to find the charms and temptation of the of the world less alluring then looking for a master who can initiate you into mantra yoga he or she may instruct you to undergo a serious and systematic practice of mantra meditation which in the scriptures is known as purachana the first step toward the divine experience if you have studied the authentic text and are amazed by the power and potential that lie dormant within within the human body and if you are sure that your body is healthy and your your mind sound find a teacher who who can instruct you in the path of kundalini yoga but if you choose this path remember that the authentic that the authenticity of teaching is purely experiential and is self evident any experience that does not bring out previously unknown dimension of knowledge and joy is not a spiritual experience a spiritual experience is never bizarre or painful nor will it harm your health kundalini shakti the dormant force within and problem simply 
do not go together my personal warning if any experience of so called kundalini awakening causes a problem then it is not a kundalini experience if instead of studying books you have studied yourself your body breath mind and your worldly circumstances and realize that to some degree you are interested in in mantra kundalini shakti and the immense power of the mind then it's better to follow the path of raj yoga on this path you will work with yourself simultaneously on every level of your personality in gentle and progressive manner and experienced teacher of raj yoga instantly knows which area of your life needs immediate attention body breath mind or lifestyle he or she will help you focus on that particular area in such a way that the other areas of life are also addressed in a proportionate manner on the path of raj yoga you will develop healthy and harmonious relationship with others by practicing the five yamas ahimsa non harmful yama ahimsa non harmfulness satya non lying asteya non stealing brahmacharya walking in god and aparigya non possessiveness as a means of disciplining yourself you will practice the five niyamas socha purity santosha contentment tapas austerity and samadhiya self study and ishvara pranidhana surrender to god for your body you will practice asanas for your breath pranayama to gain control over your senses you will practice uh, pratyahara and for and for your mind you will practice dharna concentration dhyana meditation and samadhi spiritual absorption you can either climb these eight uh, runs of yoga step by step or you can embrace them simultaneously depending on your needs circumstances problem and capacity and capacities regardless of what specific path you follow you must organize your worldly life and your spiritual life so that one is not a source of disturbance to the other this can be done by incorporating the basic principles of karma bhakti and janana into your specific practice let's take a brief look at each one according to the school of karma yoga a a human being cannot live without performing action attachment to the fruit of these action is a source of bondage when an action is performed selflessly loving and skillfully then neither that action nor its fruits has any power to bind bhakti means love and devotion without it without its spiritual practice becomes very becomes dry and boring doubt seeps in and you begin to wonder what is the point of doing all these practices cultivating love for your cultivating love for your practice will help you become become a devoted to it the janana means knowledge in this particular context knowledge means understanding that nothing in this world really belongs to you we can enjoy the object we can enjoy the object of the of the world but 
but have no right to own them mentally to become attached to them placing little value on the object of the world and constantly remaining aware of the truth within uh, within will strengthen your understanding of the world and enable you to stay on the path see and and person attain enlightenment without the help of a teacher if so does it take longer anything including enlightenment can be obtained without anyone help but help really helps in any field of knowledge mentors are needed to help the novice grow systematically and become more focused a mentor a teacher is someone who has assimilated the experiences of previous seeker and explorer and has made good use of these experiences a proven system of education is is of the utmost importance whether it aims to give training in the external or internal world such a system develops after a series of experiment has established the validity of a validity of a method of teaching and after and after this method has been applied repeatedly and and been found to yield similar result result time after time it is time consuming it is time consuming to chart your own path when a map of the area is available setting out on the uncharted path is is often fruitless and can and can even be perilous those walking such a path are the bestest with the doubt and certainty many seeker who begin on their own and and get no help from teacher from a teacher search here are there trying different method often by by time they stumble on the system of practice that work for for them their lives are almost over and no time is left for the for the practice itself an authentic teacher has received clear instruction from his or her own mentor has traveled the path and has integrated the wisdom gleaned along the way such a person is qualified to help us find and follow the most appropriate path how can i find a teacher how will find how will find whatever you you look for the bible says ask and it shall be given you seek and and ye shall find knock and it shall be opened opened unto you matthew 6 7 the tricky part is that the bible never tells you how many times to knock or even where to find the door our instinct intuition destiny karma or whatever word you you want to use guides guides us toward the door that is the law in the in the natural course of event we begin wondering what is the purpose of life where where have i come from where am i going as these question became stronger and more persistent worldly charm began to lose their luster and we become seeker we find the time and energy to search for the door a spiritual teacher an organization a center or an ashram you won't necessarily find the right place or the right person in your first attempt even if you are fortunate enough to meet the right 
teacher immediately he or she may not give you what you expected the teacher is not bound to fulfill your expectation in fact a teacher who has undergone training with a competent master knows the importance of teaching only what is best for you regardless of what you expect even through your immediate expectation may may not be met your first encounter with your teacher makes an enormous impression on your mind and heart intellectually you may think that you did not get anything but deep down you feel blessed by his or her company this kindles a desire to learn something from that person the first meeting between teacher and student is crucial in the first instant you recognize each other not with your eyes or through a formal introduction but with your heart to heart meet and know each other at each other at the level of feeling catch hold of that moment of recognition and cherish it so that later on your undisciplined and argumentative mind does not does not confuse you if if the teacher within is the real teacher then why is an external teacher necessary just as god just as god is within and yet is unknown so too the teacher within remain unknown until our intuitive eyes are opened according to yoga god the supreme consciousness is the pre is the primordial master the teacher in the external world shows the student how to go within and find the truth that abides there if you can introduce yourself to the teacher within you do not need to be bothered with a teacher outside but unfortunately few people have have that ability remember even those remember even those great blessed ones such as krishna Christ Rama and Buddha who perhaps had the ability to achieve the goal without any external teacher search for the teacher underwent the discipline given by their by their teacher and gave the entire credit for their sadhana spiritual practice to their to their teacher as the example of these teacher one wants us not to disregard the teacher outside while waiting for others to be unable by the teacher within much has been written about the responsibility of the teacher to the student does the does the student have responsibility to the does the student have the responsibility to the teacher the responsibility the responsibilities are mutual the closer you come the more you learn the more you learn the more you under understand the finer the more subtle is the bond that develops between between teacher and student the subtler the bond between the two the the greater the commitment it is the degree of commitment from both side that determines the degree of responsibility on both side in the beginning there is hardly any commitment on either side you enroll in a seminar you enroll in a seminar the teacher gives gives a lecture you listen the session is over you leave at that at this day, at this stage the teacher is simply an instructor her or his 
responsibilities are simple to teach only what she or he has actually learned and practiced to refrain from making too many promises and to teach only that which is healthy and useful if it is spiritually oriented seminar the fee must not be the teacher's prime motivation a student a student responsibility at this stage is almost nothing so long as student does not deliberately create problem for the instructor the student duty is discharged later on when when personal interaction begin the teacher responsibility grow the teacher must take the student physical capacity intellectual grasp and emotional maturity into consideration on the student side there are also obligation a student is expected to be honest with the teacher and to be open when the teacher speaks unpleasant truth although at this stage a responsible teacher does not examine the personal detail of a student life doing so because there is a clear understanding and communication creates an uncomfortable situation it is only when a student realizes that all the other fine people whom he or she has met in the past were simply instruction while this particular person is the is the final spiritual guide that the teacher begin to behave like a behave like a master and treat the student and treat the student as a as a discipline when a master discipline relationship is established then the responsibilities are entirely different on both side when a student is committed to to this when the student is committed to this ex, extent it becomes the master responsibility to gather to gather all the resources necessary for that disciple uh, disciple ultimate spiritual unfoldment at this stage the master does everything to bring the disciple to the highest level the master the master greatest delight comes when the disciple reach the summit from the from the perspective of the disciple the responsibility grow enormously but certainly the disciple has the duty to serve the master but whatever he or she does is little when compared to what the teaching is doing from the perspective of the master the disciple duty is simply to do the practice sincerely and to and and to be happy if the master expects if the master expects anything other than spiritual growth from the student then she or he did not receive the improper training from the tradition from the tradition however a uh, however a master might use some unpleasant method to foster the discipline spiritual unfoldment the disciple must be ready to accept this treatment gratefully not every disciple will have this experience it comes only only to a few fortunate qualified student and the truth is beautiful and blissful in many ways this relationship must be experienced to be understood conclusion regarding the responsibility of teacher and student 
arises only when high standard of duty and responsibility are established too early in the relationship the responsibility are not based on a set of rules rather they grow naturally and spontaneously there is no great there is no greater delight than experiencing the spontaneous unfoldment of the unique relationship the very question what is whose responsibility shows either the relationship has not yet been fully established or that there is fear of establishing such a relationship what are the obstacles of establishing a master disciple relationship how can a student overcome them fear and doubt are the greatest obstacles study yourself carefully and find out what you are afraid of losing in that relationship what is the exact nature of your fear what makes you feel feel threatened and prevent you from coming close to your teacher and receiving guidance without hindrances if you analyze yourself you will find that that the major obstacle it has is ego ego has a hard time accepting anyone supremacy tell your ego that it is not a matter of accepting someone as superior to yourself it's simply a matter of allowing someone who is selfless to guide you on the path the second problem is doubt in the past you may be be deceived and misguided by others if that's the case tell yourself that you will not allow one failure to halt your progress on the path and that you will not permit even a hundred failure to stop you overcome your skepticism your previous negative experience were at least partial due to your blind faith your unclear your unclear uh, perception and most importantly your lack of definite goal remove these condition search for a search for a teacher and you will find one and once you have met your teacher let that relationship take its natural course follow it and meet your responsibility in a loving selfless and relaxed manner is not another pitfall the tendency to use a teacher as a as a crutch while skepticism and fear of being absorbed into into a group can be obstacle to spiritual unfoldment the opposite tendency is equal a barrier that is using a teacher as a as a crutch the this obstacle is more subtle than the other two most most people living in the world are accustomed on leaning on other this tendency linger in the mind even when one begins the spiritual search meditation is the path of freedom the path on which a a student attains freedom from all external crutches a spiritual teacher should never be taken as a replacement for a counselor a therapist or a priest on the path of meditation you are responsible for meditating a teacher can guide you but cannot meditate for you beware of teacher who promise they they will take care of all your spiritual need whether you practice or not student who are looking for such fantasies are the one who will fall into the hands of
into the hands of false teacher taming the mind taming the mind and the senses what should we what should we do to understand life better and live happily you may try hundreds of things but nothing will work unless you have control over your mind it is the mind that that creates a mess outside and inside and it is the mind that find a way to clean up the clean up the mess all problems are created and solved by the mind but surprisingly the mind is not known to itself mind is the greatest of all mysteries it stands between an individual and the highest truth and is the cause of both bondage and liberation properly trained the mind can help you attain enlightenment but a misguided mind can leave you stranded on the shawl of confusion and bondage peace is created by the mind first make the decision to be content in any circumstance from that warm of contentment peace is born it is foolish to expect it is foolish to expect to achieve peace by retiring into the deep forest or departing for a distant for a distant galaxy ultimately dadi pankha band kar dena ultimately we must all find peace within our own mind why does the mind prefer to run in the external world external world why does the mind prefer to run in the external world rather than turning inward to find to find peace the mind has bound itself tightly to the senses driven by sense craving the mind runs to the external world as 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 long as you do not know how to withdraw the senses from the external world you have almost no choice but to let your mind remain a victim of sensory pleasure the object of the senses as well as the pleasure derived from them are momentary after experiencing a sensory pleasure the mind realizes the emptiness of the experience but it is always seeking satisfaction and not knowing where else to find it turns again to the external world thus dissatisfaction becomes a way of life dissatisfaction leads to frustration peace vanishes and the inner world becomes chaotic inner inner discontent frustration and restlessness then manifest in the person external life and both internal and external worlds are full of misery how do we stop the mind from constantly turning constantly turning to the external to the external world uh, vairagya non non attachment is only way you will cultivate हेलो हाँ जी हाँ जी कुलदीप क्या नाम है सोहित कितनी देर में आ रहे हो घर ये बताओ 
आ जाओ घर आ जाओ दो मिनट में आ रहे हो तो घर आके बात करते हैं ठीक है ओके अभी चलते हैं आधे घंटे हाउ डू वी स्टॉप दी माइंड फ्रॉम कॉन्स्टेंटली टर्निंग टू दी एक्सटर्नल वर्ल्ड वेरा नॉन अटैचमेंट इज ओनली वे यू विल कल्टिवेट एन एटीट्यूड ऑफ नॉन अटैचमेंट वेन यू कम टू रियलाइज दैट ऑल दी ऑब्जेक्ट ऑफ दी वर्ल्ड आर ट्रांसिस्टरी द वैल्यू ऑफ वर्ल्डली ऑब्जेक्ट इज सिंपली अ क्रिएशन ऑफ दी माइंड यू अराइव इन दिस वर्ल्ड विद नथिंग एंड यू विल डिपार्ट विद नथिंग when you realize this you will not be attached to the object of the world i understand that worldly object have no real value i also know the i also know the value of practicing vairagya but somehow i fail to maintain this knowledge especially when it comes to interacting with the world why the mind is fully convinced that this world and its object are real this is called maya maya is a strong belief in the existence of that which does not exist the following story illustrate this point once a washerman asked his son to go to the barn and get his donkey but when the son tried to fetch it the donkey would not budge the boy went to his father and told him the donkey would not move is the donkey tied up the washerman asked no that won't That's what I don't understand. The son replied, "Well, then slap him on the drum to get him to get him moving." The father, the father replied in exasperation. The the son tried this, but the donkey still would not move. He went back to his father and son. Father, he must be sick. Please come and see for yourself. This time, father and son went together to fetch the donkey. The father tried to get the donkey to move, but but to no avail. Then suddenly he understood the problem. The donkey rope was attached to his halter, but not attached to the to the pole. The washerman around the washerman wound the rope around the post, then unwound it and. Begin walking out of the barn. The donkey, realizing he was he was untied, followed. He was untied, followed him. People whose mind are fully convinced of the reality of worldly object and the bondage they create are are like this donkey. This worldly is not capable of is not capable of binding either the mind or the soul. The mind is the the mind is in the bondage simply simply it believe that it is in the bondage how can how can the mind overcome the illusion that it is in the bondage first it must overcome the craving for the worldly object with the help of constant contemplation or on the on the illusionary nature of worldly pleasure second the mind must recognize its true nature and learn to maintain that awareness constantly forgetfulness of the true nature of the self is what makes is what makes the human being subject to timidity weakness fear and insecurity it is it is this forgetfulness that causes us to keep searching for a heaven in the external world once you realize your internal inner self 
you became free from the charms of the world as well as the fear of death in this context ponder this ancient tale once there was a lion cub who was separated from the pride at birth before his eyes had opened he never saw his real mother he was helpless but after a few days a flock of sheep happened by he joined the flock and was raised with the lamb as a result he identified himself with a sheep and learned to behave like them he learned to follow others blindly to be afraid of dogs and and to submit when whipped by the shepherd he he grew to adulthood but his identification with the sheep around with the sheep sheep around him was to complete that he never noticed his size or his sharp powerful claws he never uh, he never discovered how fast he could run how high he could jump and how how he could jump and how how loud he could roar one day another lion crept up on the flock and let out the tremendous roar the flock scattered the young lion who was affrighted as the other sheep ran ran away too he passed a pond in a full flight and saw his reflection for the first time to his astonishment his reflection resembled the lion he was fleeing here was a puzzle why did not he look like the other sheep as he examined this reflection his disappointment at not seeing the reflection of sheep quickly turned into curiosity as an as an experiment he tried roaring like the lion he had he had just heard and found that he could this this filed this filed his mind with delight he jumped he jumped and roared and relished the realization that he was truly a lion he never returned to the flock but joined but joined the pride and lived as the as the king of the forest like like that lion cub we create a self image and based on that we create a reality if this identification is false we became victims of falsehood if the identification is correct then we are fortunate to live in the light of truth i want to practice i want to practice non attachment but i am distracted by the world's pleasure what can i do learn to withdraw your senses and mind systematically before practicing non attachment or committing yourself to an intense meditative practice this process is called is called prathara sense with withdrawal through a systematic practice of prathara uh, you can tame your sense and mind and mind and bring them under your under your conscious control uh practicing prathyara requires a basic understanding of the nature of the external world so that while disciplining yourself you don't feel that you are being deprived of sensory pleasure the practice itself should be
a source of joy rather than rather than a dry discipline you must realize that people who search for joy in the external world are always disappointed desires and craving begin in the mind and motivate the senses to seek pleasure in the external world that is why trying to that is why trying to control the senses without placing your discipline in context will not be effective you must first have understanding what is a systematic practice of taming the senses and the mind and turning them inward the first step is to convince the mind and senses that is necessary to withdraw if you are attentive you will discover that the mind and the senses busy themselves in the external world or resort to sleep in order to escape from reality which is painful this external search for peace is exhausting sooner or later the mind stops to rest rest feels good if the mind rest feels good if the mind can be made to see and acknowledge the effect of rest it will begin developing a willingness to withdraw the sense and rest when we pull in the mind and senses voluntarily with the thread of knowledge we experience true relaxation after the mind experiences the joyful stillness in the body that result from sense withdrawal it can be successfully instructed to look within for the true source of happiness there are three ways of practicing prathyara uh, the first is to withdraw the senses and mind from the external world and then focuses them consciously on the chosen object in the realm of mind another approach is to see everything in the world as existing within the atman the self with this approach nothing is outside the atman so there is no need to withdraw the senses a third practice is to carry out all your activities as if your activities as if they were a sacred duties in this way you bring sanctity to even the most mundane aspect of life when the human being gives up all desires of the mind and delight in the self then he or she is said to be uh, a person of steady wisdom i have practiced some of these techniques successfully but soon i find myself back in my old habit driven by my old distraction and urges do you have any advice if you could not master your senses after a couple of attempt please don't be discouraged believe me most of us are in the same boat the process by which the senses move toward the object in the external world is very subtle it begins with thinking you become attached to something just by thinking about it something becomes attractive because of an inner craving or because of latent impression from the past that still exists in exist in the mind these latent impression are called sanskar or vasanas i have practiced some of these techniques hmm. successfully 
technique successfully but soon i find myself back in my old habit driven by my old uh, driven by my old distraction and and urges do you have any advice if you could not if you could not master your senses after a couple of attempts please don't be discouraged believe me most of us are the same are in the same boat the process by which the senses move toward the object in the external world is very subtle it begins with thinking you become attached to something just by thinking about it something becomes very attractive something becomes attractive because of an inner craving or because of the latent impression from the from the past that still exists in the mind these latent impression are called samskaras or vasanas they are like living entire deep in the mind field through the windows of the senses of the conscious mind these samskaras peep out into the external external world looking for something similar to themselves the moment the mind finds an object that correspond to its previous memories a great sense of joy arises this joy comes from the mind identification with the object rather than from the object itself the mind ignorantly the mind ignorantly feels this is mine i love it it is so it is so a uh, beautiful attachment arises immediately from this feeling therefore attachment arises merely from thinking about something the the desire to act is based on that attachment if that action is impeded we became angry if the obstruction cannot be overcome we became depressed we became uh, depressed and depression is itself a form of anger from anger delusion arises and from delusion arises loss of memory with loss of memory the power of discrimination buddhi is lost it is then impossible to decide anything appropriately and at this point a human being is doomed spiritual practice is not possible study yourself because only then you can build the foundation that will enable you to withdraw your senses and mind examine the nature of of pleasure and pain and determine for yourself the result of attachment to the world of names and forms as a human being you have become you have freedom to create your you have freedom to create your world you have already done this mastering your senses and mind and empowering them for true joy is your birthright therefore practice prathara to conserve your energies then concentrate and focus these energies one pointed in the direction of true peace and happiness i value my i value my meditation practice but i like to have fun to i go out to dinner and the movies several times several times a week and often stay up late partying with my friend i miss these things when i do when i don't do them but i know they tire me out and disrupt my meditation practice 
what shall i do the craving for sense pleasure is one of the strongest urges there is driven by these craving we continually change or postpone our spiritual practices although at some level we know that a self indulgent lifestyle is the breeding ground for sloth inertia fatigue and procrastination the problem lies in failing to understand the subtle line between enjoying enjoying sense pleasure and becoming victim of our sense craving it is the failure to recognize this borderline that causes us to repeat activities that leave us feeling tired dull and undernourished so what so that we have no energy for higher for higher pursuit to overcome this to overcome this problem we must come to realize that in living this way we are working for our senses Uh, rather than disciplining our sense to work for us our eyes ears nostril tongue and generative organs are the tool for nourishing ourselves physically emotionally and spiritually the sense gathers the sense gather data the sense gather data from the external world and when coordinated with a properly trained mind they are a means of gaining knowledge and attaining victory over the primitive urges and craving the senses the senses are also are also instrument through which we can express the uh, infinite creative force that lies within us however when we lose the ability to distinguish between enjoyment and indulgence the forces of our senses make our lives chaotic pulling us in this direction and that every time a craving arises this is a source of misery and it saps our energy constant awareness of the highest goal of life and proper understanding of sense pleasure are the keys to mastering our craving and disciplining our senses to serve us yogis advise us to enjoy the object of the world in a manner that does not involve us in suppression and repression but to refrain from indulging ourselves to the point where our energy is drained from our bodies and mind if we adopt a balanced approach there will be no conflict between spiritual practice and enjoyment of the world's pleasure the key is to be vigilant in keeping track of our subtle urges towards sense pleasures only a trained mind and purified heart can tell us whether we are enjoying these pleasures within the limit of our natural urges or whether we are harming ourselves if we learn to notice how we feel afterwards we will know whether we truly enjoyed a sensual experience or or were being consumed by it once we have developed the ability to make this distinction the next step is contemplation whenever we find that we have allowed ourselves to be ordered around by our senses we should take time to contemplate on how we are depleting our energy and weakening our ability to attend to our spiritual practices during this will help during this uh, will help prevent will help prevent the memories and subtle impression of those 
pleasure from causing us to remain at the mercy of our senses. This practice is called Prathyara, sense withdrawal in the logic tradition. In Vedanta, it is called Vichara contemplation. I meditate regularly from time to time. I feel like I have reached an expanded level of awareness. The problem is that I can't sustain it. I don't know how to reach firm ground so I won't be continually hampered by these by these setbacks. It is frustrating to practice without seeming to reach the goal and it is even more frustrating to lose ground. When we take this problem to a teacher, he or she usually tell us to continue practicing <coughs> or to have patience. Things will will work out these directive might inspire us once or twice but if the problem keeps recurring such advice loses the power to inspire overcoming this problem requires understanding the law of karma the simple law that you reap what you sow if we do something what there is bound to be a result the law that every action bears fruit also applies to spiritual practice if we if we do not see the result it is it is because the time is not yet right the fruit is not yet manifest although it may already be there in, in its subtle form we need a sophisticated and sensitive instrument to perceive it the powerful microscope of the inner eyes if we don't have inner eyes of our own, then we have to rely on those of an experienced teacher in whom we have faith. Such a person can tell us what is happening, although this is like borrowing a microscope that is too sophisticated for us to operate on our own and to which we do not have continual access. Other option is to develop our own inner eyes the eyes of intuitive understanding intuition unfold gradually as we continue meditating however this does not answer the question of how to gain firm ground and progress from there we are motivated to continue our meditation practice in spite of this experience of slipping backward only if we are fully convinced that we are moving in the right direction we can discover whether or not we are moving in the right direction if we have knowledge of the story that support our practice this is the this is the knowledge that engender interest in practice the more we know of the philosophical and spiritual doctrine that stand behind the practice the more we will be inspired to renew our effort each time we slip from the summit knowing the philosophical and spiritual doctrines will not give us direct experience but it acts as an antidote to discouragement frustration and warning and warning motivation that is why yoga text and experience teacher advice aspirant to incorporate Savadhyaya, the study of genuine scriptures into their daily practice. These include the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishad, the Bhakti Sutras, as well as books by saints and sages such as Autobiography of Yogi. Living with the Himalayan Master, the story of my experiment with truth and in woods of realization. In this way, we will be inspired to continue to make effort in our practice which is the only way to solidify our attainment
there are so many obstacle on the spiritual path that it seems that it seems like overcoming them one at a time will will take forever is there and all purpose remedy yes the grace of god we receive and retain this grace by ishwara uh, pranidhana remembering the name of god and surrendering ourselves to it from the practical standpoint from the practical standpoint all great tradition of the world plays a great a great emphasis on the name of god then on god itself unless we know the profound metaphysics of the doctrine word it is hard to understand how the name of the god can cure our diseases remove doubt solve problem related to laziness and procrastination and help us gain and maintain solid ground in our practice but it works this is not just an experience of one or two yogis or same but of everyone who has completed this spiritual journey that is why prominent scriptures such as yoga sutra clearly state that if someone takes this whole remedy then no other practice is needed it is not merely a remedy but a compassionate and omniscient vehicle that knows its own destination you simply get into this vehicle the name of god and and it will take you to the goal and and help you remain there because our mind are distracted and our hearts are polluted we have a hard time comprehending and holding comprehending and holding and holding on the name of the god the mantra one pointedly that is why we do not see dramatic progress even dramatic progress even when do when we do lot of japa the scripture tell us to have patience and assure us that success is certain if we continue our practices for an uninterrupted period of time even more important than sustaining an unbroken practice is doing the practice with love and reverence do not allow the repetition of the mantra to become mechanical let it flow from the depth of your heart meditating successfully on the name of god requires a one pointed mind and a pure heart try to understand why your mind becomes disturbed and your heart is filled with impurities if you look carefully you will see that the causes and inner hatred jealousy greed and attachment a person filled with these pollutants is like a temple filled with trash the altar is obscured and shrine buried clean the temple of your body and mind let the altar of your heart be illuminated with love and knowledge and you will find chapter number 3 is is moving inward uh breathing lessons what creates block in the energy body bad food unhealthy lifestyle sense abuse and most of all 
suppressed desire feeling and lower urges the seed of mental and pranic disharmony are sown when we keep ignoring the voice of the heart our conscience this is the enlightened part of us that spontaneously that spontaneously tell us what is right and what is not because of our fears attachment and social pressure or simply out of negligence we keep making the same mistake despite the repeated warning of our inner voice the result is guilt of self uh, condemnation which is weakens drain our vital energy and create mental pranic and physical obstacles to some degree it is possible to unblock energy in the body by working with asanas pranayam and mudras however those suffering from deep mental distress must not push themselves to practice advanced yogic yogic techniques especially pranayam with breath retention uh, for it may strengthen and magnifying and magnify such mental states creating mental states creating even bigger blocks in the pranic in the pranic shit uh, if i feel a block in the flow of energy during the practice of asanas or pranayam how can i work through it be gentle with yourself don't push yourself to the point where you risk shattering your body and nervous system first work with the uh, musculoskeletal and nervous system cleansing techniques such as nasal wash upper wash complete wash and agni sara will help you cleanse and energize your system if you have taken drugs in the past gentle pranayam such as alternate nostril breathing and occasional juice fast will also help in the beginning stay within your capacity then gradually expand it at the time at the time of uh, expand it a, a step at the time and see how your body react nothing nothing you do should make your body uncomfortable a slow and steady regular practice will unblock and release your healing energy enabling you to heal subtle physical or emotional injuries at the same time as the yoga sutra says one can grasp the true intent of yoga through the practice of yoga yoga is the way to gain knowledge of yoga one is one who is not negligent in yoga practice remains established in yoga and enjoy the highest fruit of yoga forever how can i prepare myself to, to practice yoga beyond working with the body and breath it has to be done systematically begin by observing where you stand in worldly and spiritual life notice how strong you are physically and emotionally how fulfilling or dissatisfying do you find the world around you how entangled are you with your physical complaint biological urges emotional issues and worldly duties and obligation this analysis will guide you in determination how much emphasis to put on posture breathing exercise and basic relaxation and concentration technique don't forget to analyze the role that the four basic urges food sleep sex and the desire of self preservation play in your life working with these urges is not important as a part of any yoga practice if they are not properly regulated they can determine the positive effect of your practice therefore know to what extent you are controlled by these urges and learn how to regulate them many text says that student should practice pranayam only after achieving mastery of the asanas but attaining perfection in asanas is not a simple 
task the purpose of asana is to create enough flexibility and strength in the body so that the body itself does not become an obstacle in meditation this takes uh this takes considerable time and while you are doing it while you are doing it you can also work with the breath by using simple practice such as deep uh diaphragmatic breathing and alternative nostril breathing these will benefit anyone who practices them there are breathing practices such as bhast bhastrika kapalbhati and ujjayi which fall between asana and pure pranayam practice they can be done daily even if you have not yet attained mastery over your sitting posture meanwhile keep refining your postures and preparing yourself for the practice of advanced pranayam how will i know if i am practicing correctly as a result of practicing asanas you you begin to understand your own body language the body develops its own sensitivity and know whether the food you eat is right or not your internal clock regulates your schedule precisely and your body lets you know if you are exercising too much if you are sleeping too much and so forth something deep within will not allow you to indulge in unnecessary gossip or other useless sense activities the body finds great delight in maintaining a in maintaining a a peaceful uh, relationship with worldly object a true practitioner of hatha yoga is not disgusted by worldly object yet feels uncomfortable with noise in a with the noise in a crowd or with the excessive com- company of friends and relatives as the mental level he or she develops a great deal of tolerance to the pairs of opposites such as pleasure and pain honor and insult and so forth progress in pranayam can be observed in several stages in the first stage the nervous system is being cleaned and strengthen so your body may occasionally jerk and tremble as the prana shakti unlocks the marma shanti vital point after that you may you may perspire a lot in the third phase the body feels light in the fourth the body begins to slim down and you become radiant and energetic the surest sign of success in pranayam is that is that a practitioner thinking is is clean and deep within the wheel of ignorance is destroyed by the radiance of the inner light at this point if a student has a has the guidance of a master then educated hatha yoga practice can be used to awaken kundalini such as awakening will bring delight without any of the side effect shakiness visual and auditory hallucination etc of which modern student frequently complain it is possible to use pranayam and asana to forcibly awaken kundalini shakti if so what are the effect the aim of the classical yoga postures is to unfold the inner forces that lie dormant within this process is accomplished first by bringing the solar ha and lunar tha energy current to the state of harmony and then by igniting the inner fire known as kundalini shakti however many of the exercises taught in yoga classes today are not standard classical yoga asanas but preparatory practice by doing such warm up exercise we cannot expect to awaken kundalini shakti 
asanas that directly aim at awakening kundalini include siddhasana uh, matsya yendrasana paschimottasana and yoga mudra these postures requires a great deal of preparation and this preparation must be completed before committing yourself to the intense practice of asanas a flexible body and a balanced nervous system are indispensable if you aspire to true attainment in hatha yoga you must pay attention to regulating the four primitive urges food sex sleep and the desire for the self preservation these urges eventually come under your control when your when your incorporate the following principle in day to day life eating moderately a uh, eating moderately in balanced proportion living in solitude without without suffering from loneliness observing silence for certain period of time every day remaining free of expectation controlling the senses and having a and having a few possession as possible as you work with them you will come to understand how how these six observations help regulate the primitive urges and how they keep deepen the practice of hatha of hatha yoga according to patanjali the the codifier of yoga science and philosophy you should commit yourself to the uh, to the practice of pranayam only after mastering one one of the sitting posture if asana posture is not correct that is comfortable and steady you should work only with simple breathing exercise while continuing to refine your posture powerful pranayam which in most cases involve kumbhaka breath retention should be practiced only after posture is perfected and even then uh, only under the guidance of competent master in addition to in addition to mastering asanas there are other prerequisite for practicing advanced pranayam first eliminate jerk and noise in the breath and reduce the pause between uh, Uh, be- between inhalation and exhalation when only when diaphragmatic breathing has become natural and effortless and the spinal column has become flexible and strong can an aspirant begin to practice pranayam to awaken kundalini shakti next is the practice of meditation what is what is meditation why is it what is meditation and why it is important if you want to learn about meditation you first need to know something about concentration according to yoga concentration means focusing the mind on one object an undisciplined mind the kind most of us have tend to shift continually uh, from one object to another steadying the mind by focusing it on one object help you to gradually overcome this ever wandering habit of the mind after prolonged practice the mind is able to focus on one object for longer and longer interval when the mind remains concentrated on one object for a period of 12 breath this is called meditation thus meditation can be defined as the uninterrupted flow of concentration the human mind has an infinite capacity to think systematically to grasp things that seem to be beyond extra beyond ordinary perception and to gain knowledge instantly it has the power to command not only the body and senses but also even that take place in the external world poor concentration which stems from the mind's own habit of unrestrained anxiety craving and 
attachment to its previous experience robs the mind of its infinite power without the ability to concentrate the mind becomes weak and loses self confidence and will power meditation seems to be only way to train the mind thoroughly and to bring it back to its natural state meditation practice enables a human being to attain to attain control gradually over the mental modification and thought construct that continually disturb the mind field meditation is a systematic discipline of working with all faculties of the mind and organizing them in a manner that allows the mediator to become more efficient and creative as well as more calm and peaceful because the mind is connected to the body and external world any valid method of meditation also includes other disciplines which may seems unrelated at first glance these include a healthy diet exercise and a disciplined approach to interaction with other that is why practicing is following principle in a balanced way is said to be a part of meditation practice yama the five restraint non harming non lying non stealing uh, moderating sensual gratification and non possessiveness niyama the five observance purity contentment practice that brings about perfection of the body and the senses act that increases spiritual fervor self study and surrender to the ultimate reality asanas physical exercise or postures pranayam breathing exercise uh prathara withdrawing withdrawing the senses and the mind from unwholesome object dharana concentration dhyana meditation samadhi spiritual absorption the culmination of meditation how can i begin to practice meditation the first step is to acknowledge that you want to be happy and healthy learn to distinguish temporary pleasure from real happiness and then decide that you are going to attain happiness maintain it and enjoy it when you have made that decision examine your body and explore your physical strength and weaknesses this will give you some idea of where you need to work on yourself in the beginning you may search for some support or instruction from others but ultimately you must do this work by yourself on the path of meditation you must not lean on others not even your teacher meditation is self therapy and the aspirant must attain freedom from the teacher right from the start once you begin to overcome your body stiffness and and learn to relax you will notice that your breathing pattern is irregular so the first step is to work with your breath and replace shallow chest breathing with deep dig diagrammatic breathing deep diagrammatic breathing will relax and soothe your body because when you regulate the motion of your uh, diaphragm it regulates the function of your lung this in turn affect the function of the heart and the entire circulatory system ultimately diaphragmatic breathing will bring the functions of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and the and the left and the right hemisphere of the brain into harmony when you have mastered uh, diaphragmatic breathing your body may still be stiff in places but this comfort will not disturb your breath rather the disturbance in your breath can be traced directly to your mind every single every single uh, ripple every single ripple of thought that arises in the mind 
field creates a jerk in the breathing pattern when your awareness becomes refined uh, enough to notice this it is the time to begin to learn the more subtle respect aspect of meditation that is how to deal with mind and its modification before jumping into the practice of sitting in meditation it is advisable to learn a systematic method of relaxation lie on the floor survey your body and relax it one point at a time for example first think of your forehead notice the tension you are holding there relax and release it if you are unaware of the tension and don't know how to release it deliberately create tension in your forehead notice how it feel and then release the tension and observe the contrast using this technique go from your go from your forehead to your jaw throat shoulders arm chest stomach hips thigh calves ankles and toes and then reverse the direction and bring your awareness back to your forehead point by point beginning with your toes then bring your attention to your navel center and notice your abdominal muscle rise and fall as you inhale and exhale when your breath has become completely calm and tranquil come into a seated position slowly and gently you will notice that the effort of sitting up has disturbed the calmness of your breath to some degree re-establish that calmness by again watching your abdomen move in response to your breath continue to maintain that tranquility be aware of your spinal column and keep your head neck and trunk straight if you are sitting on the floor arrange your legs so that you are comfortable and rest your hand on your knees if you are sitting in a chair be sure to sit forward in the chair rather than leaning against the back place your hand palm down on your thigh and allow both feet to rest flat on the floor to withdraw your mind from unwelcome thoughts simply resolve to watch your breath observe your breath as it flows from your nostril to your heart center and from your heart center back to your nostril this is called breath awareness meditation it is simplest and most effective method of meditation in the initial stages of practice and will help your calm your mind and balance the active and passive energies in your body beyond this point of practice it is important that you receive instruction from an experienced teacher to reduce the chances that you will be wasting your time why is it so important to sit with your head neck and trunk straight when you meditate there are three main reasons why it is important to sit with your head neck and trunk straight when you practice meditation number one this is the healthiest and most comfortable way of sitting in the pose the spine is stretched up the chest is expanded and the head is and the head is held in place effortlessly due to the straight spine and expanded chest the lung heart and the diaphragm work efficiently in a relaxed manner the weight the weight of the whole body is constant is is centered on the base of the spine and distributed through the buttock this creates pressure on the bottom of the spine and the pressure in turn creates heat as the heat increases the pranic force at the base of the spine expand and rise because the spine is straight the pranic energy flows freely upward along the spinal column toward the head burning up burning up sloth and inertia while providing nourishment to the organ 
located between the base of the spine at the and the top of the head as a result anyone sitting in the pose will be relatively free from sloth heaviness and inertia yet will remain relaxed number 2 at the base of the spine between the first and the second chakras and inner an energy channel called the kurma nadi originate it runs all the way to the hollow of the throat and regulates the stability of the of the body and mind according to yogic mythology there is an enormous and powerful kurma tortoise on whose back sits shesh naga the cosmic snake this snake has has a thousand has a thousand heads and it holds the it holds the the earth on one of them when it shifts the earth from one head to another earthquake occurs the most powerful earthquake comes when the tortoise who hold the snake who is holding the earth moves slightly the root the root of the kurma nadi is is the tortoise the stability of the spine the shesh naga and all that is centered around it depends on on the strength of the kurma nadi by keeping the head neck and trunk straight and and sitting in a meditative pose one attains firmness in the energy that is controlled by the kurma nadi number 3 sitting in the same pose every day is a way of training our bodies and mind to be aware of the truth on which we meditate the pose and the practice that goes with it are instrumental in the formation of a fruitful meditative habit the following story illustrates the point once upon a time there was a student he was sincere hard working and quite intelligent but but this teacher was some was some somewhat uh, bewildered because this young man seemed completely incapable of giving the correct answer in the classroom the teacher spent extra time with him reviewing each reviewing each lesson again and again and asking do you follow the student would always say yes sir but the next day the mind again seemed bland finally one day the teacher lost his temper and kicked the student so hard that the poor fellow fell down thank god this did not happen in the west a lawsuit would have would have been filed as a student rolled on the ground his memory returned and and he recited the entire lesson flawlessly the teacher immediately understood the problem and admonished him son study your lesson sitting with your head neck and trunk straight not reclining on your bed time space and causation are basic conditioning of the mind how we sit and where we sit creates a deep grove in the mind it is important therefore to sit for meditation every day and to sit in the same meditative pose each time the best pose is the one in which the head neck and trunk remain in a straight line i have a severe curvature of the spine that cannot be straightened by surgery or any other treatment therefore i can't sit with my head neck and trunk in a straight line perhaps this condition explains my year long struggle with meditation despite reading studying and taking course on meditation it continues to be a daily trial how can i intensify my meditative experience please do not struggle with your sitting posture try to find a pose that is comfortable for you during meditation even 
थ्रू यू कैन नॉट कीप योर स्पाइन स्ट्रेट यू जस्ट वन करवेचर इन योर बॉडी वेयर एज देयर हैव बीन अ ग्रेट मेडिटेटर्स ऑन दी योगीज हु हैड मोर देन एट एंड स्टिल अटेन दाइएस्ट एल्यूमिनेशन हाइएस्ट एल्यूमिनेशन वन ग्रेट योगी अस्ता वक्रा हैड एट करवेचर इन इन हिज बॉडी अ कपल ऑफ विच वर were doubled in the spinal column a correct posture allow us to use the body as an efficient tool for working with the mind but if there is a basic problem with the tool itself then it is best to bypass it in your case go directly either to the go directly either to the anhata chakra the heart center और दी अजना चक्रा द सेंटर बिटवीन दी आईब्रो एंड मेंटेन योर मेडिटेटिव अवेयरनेस देयर इफ यू पुश योर बॉडी टू मच यू विल सिंपली मेडिटेट ऑन दी पेन रादर देन ऑन योर मंत्रा और एनी अदर मेडिटेटिव ऑब्जेक्ट यू मे हैव चोजन इवन मेडिटेटर हु हैव परफेक्टली हेल्दी हु हैव परफेक्टली हेल्दी स्पाइनल कॉलम इवेंचुअली कट डाउन ऑन देयर सिटिंग मेडिटेशन प्रैक्टिस बिकॉज एज फिजिकल स्ट्रेंथ डिक्लाइन दी स्पाइन लॉसेज इज स्ट्रेंथ सूनर और लेटर एवरीबडी इज डिफीटेड बाई ओल्ड एज एट दैट टाइम स्किल्ड मेडिटेटर्स मेंटेन अ नेचुरल मेडिटेटिव स्टेट कॉल्ड सहाज्य समाधि विच एंटेल कॉन्स्टेंट अवेयरनेस ऑफ द इनर कॉन्स्टेंट अवेयरनेस ऑफ द इनर रियालिटी for this awareness a meditative posture is not absolutely necessary a loving attitude toward yourself and other a devotional attitude toward the divine and contentment in regard to your physical condition are the ground for maintaining sahaj samadhi why not maintain that state from very beginning does what i eat affect my meditation practice yes food has a great effect on the quality of our meditation only food that is satvik is con- conducive to meditative awareness satvik food is fresh light and nutritious it is cooked and seasoned so that it still retain its vitality heavily processed food is not satvik one of the one of the indi uh, one of the indication of whether food retain its vitality is if it keeps its original fragrance flavor color and texture after it has been prepared it should not lose its identity during the cooking process however even fresh food that is light properly cooked and nutritious remains satvik only if it is eaten in the right proportion at the time with the right attitude of mind just as we carry the subtle impression sums samskaras of our deed food also carries samskaras food assimilates samskaras from a variety of sources fertilizers water soil and air the most powerful samskaras are created by how food is harvested and how it is handled from the time it leaves the field on or orchard until until the time it reaches your table when food is mass produced and we get it from supermarket we have very little we have very little control over these over these condition it is difficult to get reliable information about how the food has been grown harvested and handled 
Thus, it is almost impossible to determine whether the food is sattvic. The best solution is to eat organic fruit, vegetable and grain and to try to get your dietary needs met as close as as close to the source as you can two ways of doing this are buying from local farmer and growing some of your own food with packaged food my experience is that the shorter the list of ingredient and addictive the better the quality if we want to live happy healthy and spiritually productive lives we must we must overcome our taste for modern luxuries and learn to live on a diet of rice and other whole grain dal legumes vegetable dairy products and fruit reducing our intake of soft drinks fake fruit juice and popular snack that are loaded with that are loaded with sugar and salt will automatically increase our intake of sattvic food eating sattvic food makes the food light and bowel movement regularly and improves the functioning of our liver and kidneys when the body is comfortable the mind mind feels good a cheerful mind is needed for meditation it is possible to have good meditation practice and still eat meat meat is not something terrible a vegetarian diet is not the sole or even the most important a criterion for being a yogi however however the type of meat that is available in the market is not pure meat it contains chemical that have come either from the animal themselves or from or from the butchering processing and preserving process when we eat this meat we are also taking these chemicals into our body because animals because animals have a more evolved consciousness then plant meat products carry more powerful samskaras and eating them invite these animal tendency into our system plants are also alive but because their self identity is less evolved their samskaras are less powered therefore with a vegetarian diet we get vitality from from the food we eat but are less affected by samskaras of what we eat if you read about the origin of meat that is available today how the animal are raised and fed how the meat comes to the market you will not eat meat regardless of whether or not you have any interest in meditation but to answer your question directly depending on how sincerely you practice and how you arrange other factors that are integral part of meditation you can have a good meditation even if you eat meat however just as the food we eat is the most important factor in our health it is also crucial to spiritual development a balanced vegetarian diet one that provide enough protein and vitamin b12 is more conducive to meditation then a non vegetarian diet compared to most component of vegetarian diet meat is not sattvic famous texts such as hatha yoga uh, pra, pradipika advise practitioner to include an ample amount of ghee other milk product fruit and sweets in their diet but today we read everywhere that that to stay healthy a person should avoid fat and sugar we have abused ourselves so much by indulging in excessive eating and other unhealthy habits that we no longer we no longer deserve 
टू ईट गुड स्वीट रिच डिलीशियस फूड बाई दी टाइम मेनी पीपल बिकम हेल्थ कॉन्शियसनेस दे हैव ऑलरेडी कंज्यूम्ड इनफ शुगर फैट एंड सॉल्ट टू लास्ट सेवरल लाइफ टाइम दैट इज वाई इन मॉडर्न टाइम स्टूडेंट हु स्टार्ट देअ योगा प्रैक्टिस लेट इन लाइफ मस्ट कन्फाइन मस्ट कन्फाइन दमसेल्स टू लो टू लो फैट मिल्क स्किन मिल्क और परहैप्स इवन वे टू मेकअप फॉर दी डैमेज दे हैव कॉज टू दे टू देयर किडनी लीवर हार्ट एंड सर्कुलेटरी एंड नर्वस सिस्टम they must stick to a pure satvik diet one that contains the least possible amount of fat amount of fat salt and sugar some people have been fortunate enough to have missed all these luxuries or driven by providence or by their innate inspiration begin leading a healthy yogic a healthy yogic lifestyle at an early age the ancient dietary a prescription still applied to such people it all depends on your physical condition for some with a normal healthy body and mind yogic yogis prescribe three different sets of dietary rules at three different stages of practice swami rama has distilled the essence of dietary instruction found in the ancient yoga manual and presented them and presented them in volume 1 of the of of this book path of fire and light as follows diet during beginning levels of practice normally this is this is a balanced vegetarian diet based on grain and legumes dal fresh cooked green vegetable fresh milk product and fresh raw fruit ghee is used sparingly as a cooking medi Uh, as a cooking medium a variety of seasoning and and spices may be used but harsher species such as chili peppers raw onion or garlic are avoided diet during intermediate level of practice at this level diet will be based on specific grain usually wheat and barley which are often fried in ghee with mild spices such as ginger and which may be cooked with sugar legumes are used less frequently and may be restricted to fresh not dried beans such as chana which is similar to uh, garbanzos fruit and milk play an increasing role diet during advanced intensive practice when advanced practices are being done most solid food are dropped through fresh through fresh fruit may still be taken in moderation milk especially milk rich in butter fat becomes the focal point of the diet and is taken as always after boiling it may be combined with water spices or sugar when should i meditate or how when should i meditate and for how long the best time to meditate is in the early is in the early morning wake up wake up before sunrise beginning your meditation empty your bladder and bowl and brush your teeth take a bath or shower if you wish and spend a few minute stretching or doing some gentle asanas in the beginning meditate only as long as you enjoy don't push your don't push yourself beyond your capacity 
और मेक मेडिटेशन अ चोर सिंपली फॉर्म अ हैबिट ऑफ मेडिटेटिंग रेगुलरली टेन और फिफ्टीन मिनट्स अ डे इज अ गुड स्टार्ट लेटर ट्राई टू मेडिटेट इन द इवनिंग एज वेल एज एज वेल एज इन दॉर्निंग इट इज बेस्ट टू मेडिटेट एट दी सेम एट दी एट दट टाइम इफ दिस इज नॉट पॉसिबल मेक अ हैबिट ऑफ मेडिटेटिंग जस्ट बिफोर यू गो टू बेड अगेन टेन और फिफ्टीन मिनट इज इनफ इन दिगनिंग वंस यू आर अकस्टम्ड इन टू मेडिटेटिंग फॉर अ शॉर्ट पीरियड जेंटली बिगिन टू एक्सपैंड योर कैपेसिटी बाई ग्रेजुअली लेंथनिंग दी टाइम डैट यू स्पेंड इन मेडिटेशन is it true that it is it is not best to meditate when you are not feeling well if the nature of your physical complaint make meditation impossible then certainly you should not attempt it if meditation seems like work and requires a great deal of physical effort then do not make yourself worse by meditating but if you have been practicing for a long time if meditation has become effortless and a source of joy then certainly you should meditate because it will make you feel it will make you feel better if you if you have experienced this subtle distinction between body and mind you will have noticed that the mind is the primary tool in meditation the body is secondary for a meditator there can be a no better therapy for any illness than meditation itself ideally you should learn to meditate even in the grimmest situation so that during your last breath when condition are really grim you are able to stay in a meditative state and make your exit peacefully and gracefully does not any object of meditation such as such as a mantra or a yantra automatically pull the mind in a spiritual direction in theory yes but in practice it depends on a number of factor who gave you that mantra was the person who initiated you connected to the source is the mantra you were given an an awakened mantra or or is it simply a word or phrase taken from a book the fruit of your meditation also depend on how lovingly faithfully and one pointedly you meditate on your mantra are you really practicing with full determination or are you just experimenting with the technique that you have heard lead to enlightenment all these factors make a big difference in mantra practice and even more significant factor is how you manage your daily life outside your meditation session even if you behave like a sage during the 30 minute 30 minutes you meditate every day if during the remaining 23 and a half hours you are not mindful of your thought speech and of your thought speech and action it is like pouring a cup of milk in a barrel of muddy water and expecting to get a barrel of milk greed selfishness and overbearing egos are deeply rooted in our unconscious mind constant meditation which is supported by self observation and self analysis can help us identify these sub human characteristics in ourselves once we recognize them and come to know their pattern and in which areas of life they spring up most frequent we can begin to work with these characteristics 
This requires contemplation. This is why the prominent yoga texts such as Yoga Sutra and Bhagavad Gita constant advise us to make Swadhyaya, self-study an integral part of our practice. Where should I focus my attention during meditation? If you have a weak constitution, suffer from digestive problem, fatigue easily or have a weak immune system, then the Manipura Chakra, the navel center is the best focal point. The Anahata Chakra, the heart center is good for those students with a predominantly emotional orientation who want to transform and channel their emotion for communion with the divine concentration at the at the Vishuddha Chakra, the throat center can be beneficial for those inclined toward the creative arts for those with a primitive intellectual orientation focusing on the Ajna Chakra, the center between the eyebrow is best uh, but of all these places the best focal point is Sahastra Chakra, the crown center however leading the mind systematically to the crown center and maintaining your attention there is an exact method that requires precise instruction from a competent teacher don't focus at the crown center unless you have received clear instruction to do so or you feel a natural and spontaneous pull toward that chakra remember that these are just general guidelines Various system of meditation provides specific guidelines. For example, in certain Buddhist and Zen school of meditation, the breath is used as a focal point in mantra meditation. The nature and unique characteristics of the specific mantra into which you are initiated usually determine the center on which to focus in traditions that use mantra meditation. The meditation use mantra meditation the most appropriate center for focusing your attention is one to which you are directed by the grace of the master or the grace of the mantra if you are initiated by a teacher who has been blessed with the living wisdom of a spiritual tradition then the mantra itself becomes your guide mantra is a self-conscious a self-illuminated force, the eternal flow of love and divine compassion in the form of sound knows which center is best for you and why. If you have not received clear instruction from your teacher about where to focus, simply allow your mind to be led by the power of your of your mantra. Can I can I choose uh, my own focus of meditation based on observation of my personality trait or must I seek instruction if you are meditating on the breath or on a general object such as the sound so hum or if you have learned meditation entirely on in a classroom setting uh, or from book then follow the general guidelines provided above however if you have received personal instruction and especially if you have been formally initiated into a method of meditation then uh, then discuss this question with the teacher who initiated you personal guidance is always more is always more precise and can remove your doubt sometimes my center of attention shift by itself and it seems to be very comfortable very comfortable focusing on the chakras other than the one i was told to focus on why 
this experience is either a sign that your meditation is improving or evidence that your mind is playing trick with you if your attention shift from one center to another within a single meditation session as well as to other external object then your mind may have a a roving tendency if this is the case make an effort to put an end to this shiftiness on the other hand if you are naturally pulled to a different center of focus you may need to meditate at that chakra in this case begin with the assigned chakras and as your meditation deepens allow your mind to spontaneously move to where the attention has shifted don't interfere uh, with the process uh, why is it that some people practice meditation sincerely for a long time and yet and yet still seem to display unspiritual qualities like greed selfishness and overbearing ego this happens because their meditation is just a mental exercise not a spiritual practice in order to make meditation spiritual the aspirant has to infuse it with a spiritual fervor sincere meditators who fail to experience a a spiritual unfoldment usually place their emphasis on the process of concentration consequently that is why that is why they get they get concentration alone cannot help us transform ourselves spirituality is like is like a bird it can fly only if both its wings are intact and equally intact and equally strong these wings are are of one pointed mind and constant awareness of the higher goal of life the person a person gains one pointedness by practicing concentration whereas constant awareness comes through contemplation meditators who simply concentrate on the object of their meditation may develop a relatively one pointed state of mind but may fail to use their own use their own one pointed mental energy for inner for inner transformation people talk about physique experience in meditation uh, what is the meaning of these experiences a physique experience are a signal that you are moving in the right direction they come and go such experience can inspire you and reassure you that you are making progress like any experience they last for a specific period of time 2 minutes 5 minutes and vanish but before they vanish they leave a strong and delightful impression on your mind it is important to assimilate these experience and use them to strengthen your faith and and this will keep this will keep you moving along the along the path however many people cannot dis- distinguish between uh, truly spiritual experience and hallucination no matter how unusual or super normal an experience is if it does not add to the purity of your heart or or the one pointedness of your mind then it should be ignored a spiritual experience is always illuminating and uplifting if you do not find these characteristics in your so called psychic experience then simply disregard them and even if you if you do find these characteristics and do not become complacent keep practicing and keep yourself open to the next and higher level of experience 
this is an ongoing journey you are infinite your journey is infinite and the experiences you gain along the path are also infinite don't get stuck with the experiences you have had there are many more to come how do i know whether i am making progress in meditation how can i progress faster there are two ways of knowing the first is to observe how much mastery you have gained over your thought and emotion both in meditation and in your daily life do you become agitated and disturbed as easily as you did before you started your meditation practice when you are disturbed how long does it last let's say that before you started meditating if you had if you had fight with some with someone in your office you would still be upset when you when you got home that feeling might have lasted the whole evening making it difficult for you to enjoy your family now if you have an unpleasant encounter with the colleague you wash you wash your hand or it when you when you walk out of the office and are fully present with your family when you get home that is progress when you sit for meditation distracting thought from the day may 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 flit your your mind if your automatic response is is oh who cares this is my meditating time that is a good sign but if you find yourself caught up in your thought turning event and conversation over in your mind instead of paying attention to your object of concentration you are not making much progress in that case you need to practice non attachment to further vitalize your meditation remind yourself that all these event and object are a part of material world and are ultimately not valuable cultivate the knowledge that that life is not confined to the realm of the material when this knowledge becomes vibrant and alive you are making progress in meditation the second sign of progress is that you miss it if you don't do it let's say you begin your day without meditating all day long you hear a whisper from the depth of your heart i have not done my meditation when you sit down in the evening to meditate the intensity of your meditation is marked is is a uh, markedly increase and you think thank god i have time to meditate this is a good sign if you miss your meditation but the thought of it linger in your mind it means you have fallen in love with meditation and are making and are making good progress chapter number 4 is unlocking the secret the sacred sound why is mantra considered considered to be divine the mantra is a word a syllable or a series of sound revealed to a sages in deep states of meditation these sounds were neither uttered nor heard rather they emerged from the center of silence from the center of consciousness and the sages saw them through the eyes of the intuition that is why the sages to whom these mantras were revealed are called rishis sees according to the scripture these mantras do not belong to a language that human speaks with their tongue mantra mantras come 
come from the realm of universal language and still exist there in biblical term this is the language that the children of god that the children of god spoke before the tower of babel was built afterward a confusion of tongues arose however when the seers communicated this revealed knowledge to their student they had to speak in a language that the student could understand and replicate uh, so at this point mundane language became the vehicle for the revealed mantras language such as sanskrit prakrit or tibetan were used to create an external approximation of what the rishis heard internally there there is an important subtle distinction here intellectually we may call the external manifestation of the mantra and approximation however according to the tradition of mantra shastra the mantra you receive from your teacher during initiation is the actual sound that was revealed to the first seed the power of mantra lies in its ability to lead a meditator to the same state of consciousness as that attained by the seer or the mantra in that state in that state uh, medita meditators will be blessed with the same revelation but according to the scriptures the true form of mantra is not contained in what we see when it is written or what we hear when it is articulated rather the essence of mantra is nada the pure the pure unstruck eternal sound this state of unstruck eternal sound is is what the apostle john was referring to to the bible when he said in the beginning was the word and the word was the was with god and the word was god the nada contains everything not just word and meaning but the entire universe in its in its manifestation form the principle of the mantra or the the principle of the mantra or the word is the is the only common link among all the humankind many spiritual traditions some tradition use it as a tool for focusing the mind other use it as a means of channel of channeling love and devotion toward god when such sound are used silently for focusing the mind focusing the mind and turning it inward it is called meditation when these sound are spoken aloud it is called prayer next is do i need a mantra to practice meditation it is not absolutely necessary to meditate on a mantra but meditators from all tradition have found the mantra to be the most effective object of concentration from a spiritual perspective the object of meditation is more important than the process of concentration itself concentration itself if gaining concentration is your only goal in meditation you can achieve that by focusing your mind on any object that attract you but if the inward journey to the source of consciousness is the goal then having the divine object which is intrinsically connected with the source will lead your mind to that to that source yogic literature contains hundred of instances of meditators who gained enormous powers of concentration either by practicing tratkaka uh, fixed gazing or by focusing their mind on any object that they that they found compelling 
but even through such meditators attained great powers of concentration they were not transformed they remained prey to agony prey to agony and all the pains and miseries that originate from it egoism attachment aversion and fear if you meditate on a mantra you may you may not notice an in instantaneous improvement in your concentration although your concentration is bound is bound to improve some to improve some degree but trans but self transformation and the unfoldment of higher virtues such as love compassion and tolerance are inevitable next is how can i learn a mantra mantra is given rather than learned it is passed directly from teacher to student in a process called mantra initiation only someone who has practiced mantra meditation studied the science of mantra and most important of all been directed by his or her own teacher to initiate student and can give mantra initiation i would caution i would caution against rushing into mantra initiation there are many reason for this but the major one is that if you have any lingering idea that yoga is a religious practice you may create an internal conflict with your religious background and view by receiving mantra initiation practice instead with the sound so hum meanwhile keep expanding your understanding of what a mantra is and why it will help you when you find yourself comfortable with a teacher and a particular yogic tradition ask for initiation to use the sound soham to deepen your meditation practice bring your awareness to your breath observe it observe it as it flows from your nostril to your heart center with the with the inhalation mentally listen to the sound so so as you inhale with the exhalation observe your breath as observe your breath as it flows from your heart center back to your nostril and listen to the sound hum when you find your thought straying uh, gently but firmly returning your attention to your breath and the sound why not choose a mantra for myself instead of seeking a formal initiation there are thousands of books on any subject you can think of yet people undergo formal education similarly it is necessary to undergo proper training and discipline in the practice of yoga proper training begins with formal initiation in the, it is impossible for a novice to figure out which mantra is best that is one reason for not choosing your own mantra another is another is that the teacher directly sows the seed of spiritual wisdom in the heart of the student through the process through the process of initiation with the passage of time as the student practices the seed sprout grows and yield its fruit if someone works very hard it is possible to gain some intellectual knowledge of mantra science but when a mantra is received through proper initiation it eliminates the whole being not not only intellect in most tradition mantra initiation is a process not not a one time event the scriptures call this krama diksha often a teacher will give a bij mantra a seed syllable as the first step 
then as the student practice the teacher will impart additional bij mantra or a specific mantra central to that particular tradition initiation also is a way to establish the in the intimate relationship between student and a teacher which is necessary in the ongoing process of spiritual unfoldment mantra initiation is a big commitment on the part of both teacher and a student therefore i suggest that before undertake this commitment you first overcome your own skepticism and doubt watch your natural inclination and study the intensity of your desire to know your true self that will help you know when the right time has come for receiving a mantra if you are honest with yourself about what you are looking for in life the voice of your heart will tell you whether you have found the right tradition and the right teacher i know several mantras in addition to my personal mantras does it matter which one i use mantra means that which protect and one is enough sometimes a teacher will tell you to do a practice with a mantra other than your personal mantra such practices usually involve during a certain number of repetition of that mantra or working with it for a specific period of time when you have completed the practice you return to your personal mantra the following story is instructive once two student were doing mantra practices they decided to test their mantras and find out if the power of these mantra really did protect them they climbed a tall tree and crawled out on a branch the first student jumped they he he was using only his personal mantra and landed unharmed but as the second student was was about to jump he stopped and thought should i use the first mantra that was given to me but the second mantra was was uh, given later so it must so it must be more advanced and then there is a third mantra that i learned from the tape and i read in a book somewhere that it burns all karmas so it must be very special so he repeated the last two mantras but still kept the first in mind his mind could not decide which one to hold on so when he jumped when he jumped he broke both leg and his collar bone one mantra one guru one wife one husband uh, this is the surest this is the surest way to lead a happy life technique for practicing mantra is should i coordinate mantra other than soham with breath if you are an ex smoker or have in some other way formed a habit of shallow breathing or chest breathing it is better to coordinate the mantra and breath thus regulating the motion of lungs this will help you establish a natural pattern of deep uh, diaphragmatic breathing you will notice a cleansing effect as well as increased physical and emotional stability while coordinating the mantra with the breath however make sure make sure that the sound of the mantra is not creating a jerkiness in the flow of your breath for mantras other than soham if you have to be a very careful about breath mantra coordination although some although some mantra must be coordinated with the breath in order to take the in order to take the mind inward most mantras will create some jerkiness 
in the breath if you try to coordinate the if you try to coordinate the the two many mantras are too long on their vibratory pattern does not match the pattern of the breath therefore it is best to seek advice from someone knowledgeable in the science of mantra or from the person who initiated you what is the difference between meditation and japa the process of meditation and japa are similar but not the same during meditation you are not aware of the number of mantra repetition nor the pace at which you are repeating the mantras in fact if you are meditating you do not repeat your mantra you simply listen to it deep within you just stand still the sound of your mantra is already there and you simply listen to it quietly you listen so attentively and peacefully that you are not aware of any thought other than the continuous flow of your mantra that and that's the ideal or let's say that what should be happening during mantra meditation but an under trained disciplined mind has a hard time standing hard time standing still and and attending only to mantra the mind begins making excuses oh boy i forgot to write that letter i should look at today's stock market report and so forth it find a reason to do other than what it has been told to do and to be somewhere others than where it is supposed to be in the beginning stages of self discipline and self transformation it is best not to fight with the mind rather skillfully give it more than one object to contemplate japa remembering the japa remembering the mantras with mala beads is a way to constructively provide your mind with more than one object during japa you use the same pose that you would use for meditation uh, sit in a chair or or cross legged on the floor with the head neck and trunk straight place your head on the knees and hold your mala with your finger hold the mala in such a way that while you are moving the bead your fingers palm hand arms and shoulders are free of tension usually you move the beads only with the thumb middle and ring finger because this seems to be the most relaxing relaxing method remember your mantra is silently is silently as possible as possible while you move the beads the pace at which you remember the mantra and move the beads should be fully coordinated after a few days or weeks of japa your finger your finger becomes adjusted to the beads and move them effortlessly remember you do not move a bead unless unless you repeat the mantra and you do not repeat the mantra without moving a bead if the mind start wandering the mala is sure to stop or at least slow down this immediately remind you that your mind is wandering on the other hand the moment you become lazy or drowsy your finger become less active while the call of your mantra turns your attention to the beads mala and mind form a partnership they help and motivate each other the result is that you remember your mantra with fewer distraction and disturbances although moving the beads does create some degree of distraction however this is still better than living 
the mind wander from one object to another ceaselessly while while doing japa you might start touching a deep state of meditating so that so that moving the feet seems to be a lot of work if your posture is correct and the mala and the mala and finger are really familiar with each other and do not require even the slightest attention from your mind then japa with the mala continues although you are although you are neither aware of the beads nor of the process of moving them however it is rare to experience such a meditative state of mind while doing japa usually before the mind slips into deep meditation it goes through a state of natural disinterestedness in moving the bead in that case let your mala drops and allow your mind to dive into the depth of that meditative joy and stillness this state may not last long and your mind may may soon start traveling to other thought the moment you realize that is happening gently pick up your mala and resume your and resume your japa this journey from japa to meditation and back to japa is the best way to is the best way to train and discipline the mind for the inward journey without fighting with your habit pattern in your own personal practice observe yourself and see whether it is better to concentrate on on japa or meditation should i should i always should i always practice with mala beat should i practice japa for a while before committing myself to a longer period of meditation immediately after you have been initiated into a mantra it is better it is better to practice with with a mala especially if the mantra is relatively long or inconsistent of sound that is unfamiliar it takes it takes a while for the mantra to create a strong groove in your mind before before that happens you have to make a conscious effort to repeat it and meditate on it to step into the practice of meditation uh, systematically it is best to design a it is best to design a gradually increasing course of japa a specific number of repetition of your mantra within within a certain number of weeks or month for example the first week after initiation commit yourself uh, to doing one round of japa with your mala every day this is 108 repetition and it may it may take only 5 minute to complete then you have then you have time then you have time and enjoy your practice continue listen to your mantra without using the beads the next week you can do to around the third week three round and so forth expand your practice until you have reached either the limit of your capacity or the limit of your time you have available maintain your practice at that level for the three moments one day try to meditate on your mantra for the entire period use without using your your beads watch how your mind behaves if you notice that you that you want to open your eyes or look at your watch to see the time you need to keep doing japa practicing japa prepares a solid ground for meditation the more you practice japa the more solid the the ground is there a particular way to hold a mala does it make any difference if if i hold it in my left hand or my right hand 
make a circle by lightly touching the tip of the thumb to the tip of the ring finger hold the mala with the thumb and and the third finger while gently supporting it while gently supporting it with the ring finger you may use any of these any of these three fingers to turn the beads however turning the bead with the with the thumb seems to be the easiest for some reason the scriptures advise us not to use the index finger for doing japa if you are doing japa for a short period of time hold the mala in front of the region of the heart in a prolonged practice this this method becomes tiresome and can create tension in your shoulders when this happens part of your mind automatically goes to the shoulder and upper arm so you are no longer focusing focusing one pointedly on the mantra furthermore if your mala is made of heavy bead and weight will be a distraction before keep before keep your hand on your knees or somewhere on your thigh and and do your japa comfortably the principle of being comfortable and minimizing distraction also applies to the question of whether to hold the mala in the left hand or the right if you are left handed it is usually easier it is usually easier if you are left handed it is usually easier to hold the mala and move the beads with your left hand otherwise use your right hand i have i have heard of people doing doing japa in specific numbers such as 33000 repetition 125000 repetition or even more how do i know what level of japa i should i should undertake completing a specific number of repetition of mantra in a designated period of time is called pura charna undertaking a pura charna requires regularity and discipline a self imposed a self imposed discipline such as that of pura charna helps one remain free of the deceptive tendencies of the mind without a pura charna the mind might say well i did enough today and i have lots of i have lots of work today i will catch up tomorrow with the purashana you don't allow your mind to play such tricks on you this way you attend your purashana and your purashana attends you as a result one day you and your mantra became good friend as to how large a purashana you should undertake that depends on how long your mantra is what your capacities are and how much time you have at your disposal and experienced teacher can guide you when i am when i am in a good meditative state i feel like i am repeating the mantra clearly mantra clearly some syllables seems to be missing it is important to remember every syllable of the mantra distinctly with the same clarity as it is pronounced verbally in a deep state of concentration only the feeling of the presence of the mantras remains the individual syllables may be blurred your logical mind which your logical mind which perceives things in a linear order merges into pure non objective awareness and comprehend things spontaneously in totality rather than 
rather than in segment that is why in this state of awareness mantra remains but the mind absorbed as it is non objective awareness does not does not register every single syllable syllable or or phonomy if this happens it is wonderful but make sure this experience comes from deep meditation and it is important the result of spaciness there is a subtle line between merging into into non dualistic non objective awareness and getting lost in oblivion the sense of delight the feeling that the burden of your mind is being lifted is a sign of deep meditation during deep meditation your whole body is charged with the divine energy of your mantra afterward you feel like you feel like a child of bliss a princess or prince of freedom if you were just spacing out your your head will feel completely empty you you do not gain knowledge from a from a spacey state and you don't return a wiser person as you do from deep state of meditation until you have reached a deep state of meditation make a conscious effort to remember every single syllable syllable of your mantra distinctly gradually distinctly gradually articulate articulate uh, articulation of the mantra becomes secondary and bhava pure feeling takes over just let it happen i have heard you and other teachers speak of the joy that comes in meditation once the mind begins to be absorbed in the mantra i have been meditating for 5 years and my mind shows no sign of being led by the mantra i doubt that i have been able to remember my mantra for more than 10 or 15 seconds at a time without other thought intruding for me meditating is not a is not a joy but a losing battle willing myself to concentrate on the mantra when i sit for meditation every morning does not work are there technique i can practice to improve my concentration and strengthen my and strengthen my resolve to remember my mantra you are you are not you are not the only person facing this problem this is an experience this is an experience a great number of seekers have in common there is no need of abandoning your mantra meditation and trying other technique because this virus of frustration will infect those techniques too it is better to try to understand the basic cause of this problem and resolve it you have not yet been convinced of the importance of going inward because you do not understand the value of everlasting wealth within nor nor have you grasped the role of mantra in leading you inward and unavailing that wealth because of the shallowness of your knowledge regarding your mantra you have not you have not yet fallen in love with it in the back of your mind you still feel that the mantra is merely a device for focusing your mind you are not fully convinced that the mantra is actually the lord of life the word that existed in the beginning of creation was with god and is god there may be a several reason why you don't feel 
that the mantra is living reality in the form of sound these days there are many people running around giving mantras and there are numerous books cataloging mantras you can easily get a mantra from a book from a book from a tape or from mantra initiator uh, for somewhere between 10 dollar to 1000 dollar so what's the big deal in the commercial atmosphere that has developed in yoga community it is quite natural to treat a mantra superficially when we do that meditation on the mantra does not transform our attitude but forces us to remain active in the process of remembering the mantra on a technical level this prevents us from cultivating bhava bhava feeling a meditation uh, without bhava is too weak to face the challenge passed by our by our consciousness and unconscious mind when you understand that the divine being has entered the inner chamber of your heart in the in the form of mantra and that you are fortunate to be there to attend that divine being who has who has blessed the cave of your heart so graciously and lovingly you will not entertain other thought feeling and memories during your meditation let me give you example suppose you are an unsuccessful but ambitious politician you have you have only the uh, faintest influence over the over the people of your country yet you yet you dream of becoming president of the united state you attend you attend a city council meeting and belong to the rotary club but you have no access to higher political circle circles however after years of hard work skillful strategic planning and a little luck you have managed to get a president of the united state to accept and to accept an invitation to make an appearance in your in your town he has also accepted the invitation to stop by your home afterward afterward uh, for a cup of tea this is a this is a real coup as it is understood that he is very busy man and that the only reason he would give you 15 minute of his time is that you are a valuable person after after the public appearance he arrives at your home you are incredibly fortunate while you are talking to him about the uh, while you are talking to him about the possibility of his support of your candidacy for the congressional seat in your district you notice the the mailman driving up will you leave the president to get your mail because it might it might contain a kmart catalog is junk mail more important than the president similarly if you really come to understand that all the thought memories anxiety and emotions that pop up during your meditation have the same value as the junk mail that fills your that fills your mailbox every day you will never ever allow your mind to distracted you will feel fortunate to attend your mantras therefore continue studying therefore continue studying keep gaining knowledge about the purpose of life and continue to expand your understanding the mantras and the state of tranquility that it induces what do you 
means when you say remember your mantra along with its meaning this means to your japa with feeling don't let your mantra become a mechanical repetition in your head dry repetition without feeling leads to boredom because the mind perceives it as monotonous if your mantra has a literal meaning then contemplate on that meaning as a part of your meditation ponder the meaning relate yourself to it and assimilate it in your heart and mind when it when it matures this contemplative exercise is transformed into pure awareness for some people trying to remember a literal meaning of the mantra will disturb the process of meditation because the mantra is an unfamiliar sound and seems to be word you naturally translate its meaning into your own language thus there is a tendency to replace the mantra with one or more word in your native language and then attempt to grasp its meaning from the from the translation avoid this tendency simply maintain the feelings is a mantra effective even if it is repeated without feeling how do you get the feeling if you don't know what is the feeling is feeling and the purification of the heart together you both need they appear together like a sprout and a shadow of a sprout the mantra is the seed that sprout the feeling is the shadow that follows the sprout of purification keep doing your mantra meditation sincerely and regularly it will sprout naturally one day both the purification and the feeling will grow together you are already inspired and have a have a somewhat purified heart that is why you you started practicing mantra meditation but but keep making effort to purify further to purify yourself further by cultivating sattvic qualities in your in your thought speech and action try to slow down and eliminate useless talk do your best not to hurt yourself and others even in your jokes try to eliminate foul language watch your diet this is the way of purification a purified mind and heart are like a blossom a blossoming flower feeling is the nectar they go together when the flower blossom it sends an invitation to all the nectar lover thus mantra meditation accompanied with feeling and purification send an invitation to the lords of life the supreme being the moment of union that comes when the mantra fully blooms is called samadhi the state of ecstasy chapter number 5 is breaking breaking the cycle <coughs> karma the maker the maker of destiny the word karma is used Loosely, the word karma is used loosely these days. What is the actual meaning? Karma is the law of cause and effect, action and reaction. As you so so shall you reap. How does karma coming into the subtle impression of all our actions, mental, verbal, and physical, are stored in the mind in the form of memories? When we keep performing the same action, we reinforce these. 
memories at the same time they became so strong that they turn into habit and start dictating our behavior as long as we remember the cause of these habits and the consequences of giving in to them we can change them if our power of will and determination is strong and we have a strong desire to overcome our habit we can gradually erase the habit patterns until they again become simple memories but through constant reinforcement some habits became so strong that they that they create deep that they create deep grooves not not only in the consciousness mind but also in the nervousness and and glandular system our musculature and the senses and and reach all the way into the unconscious mind these strong impression of action having the unconscious mind is there is their domain influence the entire entire personality when when powerful impression are created by taking potent substances such as uh, psychoactive drugs we use the term addiction we call other strong impression which we have forgotten about the passage of time but which have become a part of personality unconscious material in yogic literature the name of this unconscious material is samskara samskaras are subtle impression of our previous action that normally are not known by our conscious mind but which influence our present activities depending on the nature and characteristics of a particular samskara of group samskara we find ourselves inclined toward a particular lifestyle environment academic discipline type of entertainment and so forth for example two children in the family have have the same upbringing and exposure to the world but one child seems to be more interested in art and music and the other is more interested in science although we cannot find a direct cause for these differences yoga philosophy says that they are due to the children's samskaras samskara seems to be more powerful than the forces of our conscious mind and intellect from deep within the samskaras influence our mind and intellect as a result we often know what is right and yet do not find ourselves fully motivated to do so just as we know what is wrong and yet under the influence of an unknown and irresistible force we do it anyway such situation reveal the reveal the conflict between our conscious understanding and our samskaras we find our ourselves being impelled by our samskaras in spite of our samskaras awareness uh that we are failing to do something that ought to be done or doing something that ought not to be done the progression from action to memory from memory to habit from habit to compulsion and from compulsion to samskaras finally result in the formation of karma at this stage the samskaras which we have now become karma are so subtle and so deeply embedded in the recess of the unconscious that they are completely outside of our awareness because we do not even know they are there we have no means of bringing them into our conscious awareness they have survived so long and have been so well nourished that they are the most powerful aspect of our 
पर्सनैलिटी इनफैक्ट दे आर दी मेकर्स ऑफ आवर ऑफ आवर इंटीरियर बींग कर्माज बींग इन्फ्लुएंसिंग एंड मैनिपुलेटिंग आवर बॉडीज सेंसेस माइंड ईगो एंड इंटेलेक्ट एज लॉन्ग एज वी आर अलाइव इवन थ्रू वी आर ब्लाइंड थ्रू टू डैट इन्फ्लुएंस वेन दी बॉन्ड वेन दी बॉन्ड बिटवीन दी बॉडी एंड दी माइंड इज सीवर्ड बाई डेथ दे बिकम दी सोल मोटिवेटिंग फैक्टर द जर्नी ऑफ लाइफ आफ्टर डेथ इज कैरिड ऑन बाय आवर कर्माज ऑन अ प्रैक्टिकल लेवल हाउ डू आवर कर्मा अफेक्ट आवर लाइफ आवर कर्मा इन्फ्लुएंस नॉट ओनली आवर बिहेवियर बट ऑल्सो आवर सराउंडिंग एंड दी सर्कमस्टांसिस ऑफ आवर ऑफ आवर रिलेशनशिप कर्माज आर दी मेकर्स ऑफ आवर डेस्टिनी दिस इज वाई दी स्क्रिप्चर सेज इट इज कर्मा डेट ब्रिंग अस इन टू दी वर्ल्ड इट इज कर्मा डेट मेक्स अस फील डेट समन इज आवर सोलमेट कार्मिक फैक्टर्स स्टेर दी सटल रील ऑफ प्रोविडेंस resulting in such event as winning a lottery or becoming the victim of a natural disaster the most satisfactory answer to the question of why one person seems to be prosperous healthy and lucky while another suffer from poverty disease and misfortune can be found in the law of karma according to this law everyone is responsible for his or her action no one can reap the fruits of another action nor escape the fruit of his or her own action when we do not know the exact cause of particular event we call it an accident but nothing happens accidentally we sow the seed of that so called accident in the form of our previous action whether in this life or in the previous one there is no reason to blame anyone for our current problem and circumstances whether we know it or not we are bound by the hopes of our own karma it is through our karmas that we reward to punish or punish ourselves bind or release ourselves our karmas are also our our innate guide that they guide us in the form of our inner inclination tastes and interests it sounds like you are saying that people get what they deserve in other word victim of war and poverty have brought their misfortune on themselves i find this concept troubling according to according to to the law of karma our present lives are a continuation of the eternal stream of life from the point where they stopped last time any significant action that we are inclined to perform is is an action that gathered momentum in a previous lifetime but could not be completed because the vehicle disintegrated before the destination was reached similarly events that have a significant effect pleasant and unpleasant on our lives are not accidental either the seed of karma was was planted long ago but before it it could grow and yield its fruit we migrated from one body to the next eventually our personal karma blossoms and bears fruit when it does we are drawn or driven by nature or to reap those fruit it is the law of karma that triggers our unconscious desires attachment and sentiment and influence our freedom of choice at the subtle level under the influence of this law we are born into a particular family raised in a particular region and go through myriad physical psychological and spiritual experiences these events do not occur in isolation the karmic fruit we are reaping in our present lives are linked with the 
lives of many other as we attempt to accomplish our major goal we undertake many auxiliary action which in not case involve other people when these action bear fruit the lives of others are also influenced although the person although principal agent of the action reaps the greater part of the fruit others will suffer or prosper along with that person the key is putting this knowledge in the in the right perspective great teacher of the law of karma yoga do not tell us to disregard others suffering by attributing it to their karma it is a grave mistake to discount those who appears less fortunate by thinking oh well it is their karma and who i am i to interfere with the law of providence the law of karma should be applied to oneself and to oneself alone even then it must be done with a transformative attitude this concept must not be used to judge others if you judge others the law of karma dictate that you will be judged if you are not if you are not so affected by adverse karmas as many others seems to be then make the best use of your good karmas which have studied yielding their fruits so the seeds of other good karmas for the future one of the best way to do that is to serve those who seems to be who seems to be less fortunate then you are remember do not label anyone that is very powerful action which will come back to haunt you are we totally at the mercy of our karmas the answer is both yes and no by virtue of being born as humans we possess a more evolved body brain senses and mind than do other creatures our innate ability and intelligence enable us to build comfortable shelter move from one place to another and explore ways of improving the quality of our lives plant and animals do not have privilege but how we use this privilege is totally up to us making the best use of unique gift that distinguish us from other form of life here on earth can free us from being the victim of our karmas at least to some degree however we must not forget that our knowledge that our knowledge capac- capacities and resources are limited even the most knowledgeable powerful and resourceful person has limitation no one has complete freedom to choose change and transformation the circumstances that are the result of his or her karmas we have very little freedom when it comes to working with our karmas the greatest limitation is that our knowledge of the unconscious mind is insufficient and we do not have the means of attaining perfect control over it we also lack knowledge about how to withdraw our senses and mind from the external world and turn them inward to penetrate the subtle mystery of karmashaya the realm of mind field where all karmas are deposited even our inclination to gain knowledge about our own mind withdraw the senses and mind from the external world and turn them inward is influenced by our karmas this is the classic chicken and egg dilemma next is can we know what our karmas are no definitely not unless we are unless we are omniscient even by some miracle we even by some miracle 
we know our karma is related to a dozen lifetime that knowledge is just a drop in the bucket it is impossible to know what all our karmas are nor it is it necessary we all we know all we need to know is how to get around them yoga master and text advice against brooding on the past live in the present learn to perform action that nullify the effect of bad karmas and activate the good karmas so that they ripen faster making the making the present productive this is the purpose of spiritual practices the fire of knowledge that is produced by spiritual practices burns your karmas the love and devotion that naturally unfold as an aspirant persistent in practicing a spiritual spiritual discipline protect that aspirant from the fangs of negative karmas the spiritual practices that belong to the path of karma yoga help replace negative karmas with positive with positive ones spiritual practices affect our karma our karmic field making our present brighter freer and more productive once this process begin we will naturally overcome our bad karmas whether our bad karmas whether we whether we know that what they are not undertaking spiritual practice is like turning on a flashlight to remove the darkness rather than counting how many objects lie concealed in the gloom and brooding about how long they have been lying there achieving freedom from the bondage of karma does not require knowing what our karmas are how many they are and where they are stored what it does require is coming to know who is truly responsible for performing action storing them in the form of karmas and ultimately reaping the fruits in other word the only thing that matters is that they are here as a result of your karmas it is through the karmas that you create here and now that you can rid yourself of your past the degree and intensity of your determination is what decide how much of your karma can be worked out how fast when and when and how yoga is learned this the art of performing positive action lovingly and wholeheartedly as the yoga sutra states yoga karmasu kaushalyam performing one one action skillfully is called yoga ultimately ultimately according to yoga the only way the only way we can acquire freedom from karma once and and all is to acquire knowledge of the real doer and to realize that we bind ourselves by mistakenly considering ourselves to be a doer next is how it is possible to know which action i must perform and which i can bypass acquiring knowledge is not a one time event but a matter of gradual unfoldment the first step is to understand your position in relation to your immediate environment that is your family your children your professional life or the people you interact with most often you need to clear understanding of the difference between your real duties and useless involvement by useless involvement i mean meddling in the lives of others and out of ignorance attachment and desire regarding such meddling as your duty neither such action nor the pleasant or unpleasant experiences you share with people in the course of such action are necessarily 
डू टू योर प्रीवियस कर्मास इफ यू कैन नॉट टेल द डिफरेंस बिटवीन एक्शन यू मस्ट कैरी आउट बिकॉज ऑफ द अक्यूमुलेटेड पावर ऑफ योर कर्मा एंड एंड दोज डैट आर अननेसेसरी यू आर परफॉर्मिंग योर एक्शन ब्लाइंडली द फ्रूट ऑफ सच ब्लाइंड एक्शन विल ब्लाइंड यू फर्दर इवेंचुअली यू विल रीप द फ्रूट ऑफ दिस ब्लाइंड कर्मा गेनिंग अ क्लियर अंडरस्टैंडिंग ऑफ दिस प्रोसेस एंड एक्वायरिंग द एबिलिटी टू डिस्टिंग्विश बिटवीन योर ड्यूटी एंड अननेसेसरी एक्शन रिक्वायर एफर्ट फॉर डैट यू नीड टू सिट एट द फीट ऑफ अकम्पलिश टीचर सच एज दीर्स ऑफ द उपनिषद बट डोंट बी डिसकरेज सच सीर आर राइट इन द केव ऑफ योर ओन हार्ट ऑल दो यू मस्ट हैव द डिजायर एंड द करेज टू स्टैंड एट द to stand at the entrance to the cave and persist until you gain entrance thank you dadi entrance cave and persist until you gain entrance one of the best method of accomplishing this is is contemplation which is whole which is whole other subject the next step is in gaining knowledge is to learn how to liberate yourself from the karmas that you cannot ignore these karmas have started bearing fruit and dealing with them is your duty if you ignore them they chase you if you if you face them they may frighten you or wear you down at this stage knowledge knowledge involves understanding that this world consists of both good and bad pleasant and unpleasant and that experiencing these pairs of opposites is a part of is a part of life once you are embroiled in a situation it is totally useless to brood about whether the experiences you are going through are due to your karma or whether you have involved yourself in something that could that could have been avoided if you if you had possessed sufficient knowledge the only way to liberate yourself is to focus your energies on the higher on the higher goal of of life this will help this will help free you from your complaint about the about the past and and worries about the future which which drain your energy to no to no purpose uh gaining knowledge means convincing yourself that life is not confined to the trivial issues and circumstances that confront you daily with the help of this knowledge you you can preserve the great amount of your time and energy for moving forward rather than wasting it in judging yourself and others on the basis of limited fact cleaned uh with your senses and pros- and process through the lower mind i want to stress again that this knowledge is not something that you acquire in one day nor it is true that once you have you have it you don't you don't have to work for it anymore constant study constant study templation and interaction with those who live by this knowledge are required this will allow you to refine continually and reinforce what you already know and to expand your knowledge further this is the process of gaining spiritual maturity the knowledge we have been discussing is explained in spiritual texts that belong to the 
संख्या एंड क्लासिकल योगा सिस्टम ऑफ फिलोसफी एज दिस नॉलेज मेच्योर्स इट इज लेफ्ट बिहाइंड फाइनली दी एस्पिरेंट ग्लिम्स एंड इवन हायर ट्रूथ टेक्निकली नोन एज ब्राह्मण एट द डॉन ऑफ दी ऑफ दिस नॉलेज दी एस्पिरेंट एक्सपीरियंसेज द यूनिवर्सल नेचर ऑफ द इंडिविजुअल सेल्फ विच इज आइडेंटिकल टू दिस यूनिवर्सल सेल्फ इन दी लाइट ऑफ दिस नॉलेज इवन लाइफ ग्रेटेस्ट कैलेमिटीज बिकम इर रेलिवेंट दिस लाइट इज सो ब्राइट दैट इट बर्नस ऑल करमास इन एन इंस्टेंट फॉर वन फॉर्चुनेट इनफ टू अटेन दिस नॉलेज द करेंट कामिक सर्कमस्टांस इज लाइक द एश ऑफ रोप दैट हैज बीन बर्न बट स्टिल रिटेन्स इट सेव दैट कार्मिक एश मे लुक लाइक अ होप बट इट नो लॉन्गर हैज द पावर टू बाइंड नेक्स्ट next is outrunning death yoga tells us that the world is illusory and atman alone is real what does this mean the world is unreal in the sense that everything in it is constantly changing object of the world are transitory they are all subject to destruction death and decay it is one thing to say this however and quite another to really grasp it lack of knowledge about the real nature of object is the source of disappointment usually we forget that the object we observe of object we ourselves possess are subject to destruction and decay for example your own body is an object and is subject to nature when you are young you don't really believe you will become old although you see those around around you age when your own when your own old age approaches you are surprised and disappointed you try to escape this disappointment by using herbs medicines and cosmetic or by keeping yourself busy but nothing really helps that which you think you are is constantly slipping through your fingers in your relationship with others the situation is even worse the person who seems to love you today does not care for you tomorrow your children say they love you but eventually they marry and devote themselves to their spouses and children you are left alone with your own i am i am ness which is which is un which is undependent undependable because it is constantly in flux it is in this sense that the scriptures say the world is world is illusory this fact should be this fact should be uh, should not dishearten you to make you sad simply accept the nature of the world as it is while you are trying to assimilate the knowledge that worldly object that worldly object are illusionary contemplate on the truth that is immortal and not subject to destruction death and decay the truth remains unchanged and witness the changing states of all worldly object including your body and mind once you know this eternal truth life success and failure losses and gains will no longer be disappointing instead of viewing this stream of change as destructive you will see that it is the source of continual renewal you will appreciate the process of change for you will understand you will understand that without it the world would become stale and stagnant a boring place to live if the soul 
if the soul if the soul if the soul does not go through the cycle of birth and death then what does and why the soul is eternal all pervading and omniscient in its pure form it is subject to neither birth nor death it is unitary consciousness in this state of consciousness the sense of individuality does not exist according to the yoga tradition that we call an individual soul is a state of individual soul is a state of consciousness that identify itself with the mind and ego and thus isolate itself from the universal pool of uh, consciousness such an individuated soul is called a jiva and it is the jiva that goes through the cycle of birth and death that leaves the question of why this individual self identify itself with the mind and ego and become separated from the and become separated from the universal consciousness in the first place does it separate itself first and then become identified with the mind and ego or is its identification with the mind and ego the cause of the cause of this separation the answer the answer the scripture give itself the source of numberless question the supreme self and the universal being throws the blanket of illusion over itself and simultaneously reveals its true nature projecting a multitude of images each of these images now contains only a fragment of the universal self universal self because a veil covers the the shining the shining uh, glory of the universal truth these images now appear to be born in in time and space they also seem to die why the universal being throws this blanket of illusion this blanket of illusion over itself and project a multitude of images is another question the scriptures tell us that this is an eternal process evolution and in evolution manifestation and dissolution are the intrinsic attribute of the transcendental truth from the from the standpoint of individual soul who already happens to be separated from the universal consciousness it is the law of karma that dictates that they must go through the cycle of birth and death in the long journey of life individual soul jivas have accumulated a vast range of karmic impression they they cannot go back to their pristine state of unity with universal consciousness unless their karmic impurities have been have been removed their mind have become transparent and their egos have been dissolved this process of washing away the karma cannot begin if the individual soul remains suspended in death a uh, primordial nature prakriti pulls together all the condition necessary for an individual soul to be reborn nature is stirred by the force of compassion to bring the soul to birth birth is the only way to attain freedom not only from death but from the entire cycle of birth and death this purpose can be accomplished only by making the best use of all the resources that come with being born as human if if we somehow fail to use these resources correctly or if we abuse them we remain caught in the wheel of karma and 
perpetuate the cycle of birth and death therefore scriptures such as isha upanishad tells us krato smara kritam smara know what you are doing now and know what you did in the past by knowing that decide the right course of action for the future and attain freedom in this lifetime how does an individual soul which has just sparked next is how does an individual soul uh, which has just sparked from universal consciousness incur karma if it does if it does if it does not have karma to begin karma to begin with how can it be involved in paying off karmic debt this may seem like a clever this may seem like a clever question but according to the scriptures each jiva has some karma which is why it sparks from universal consciousness in the first place the manifestation of the universe is not a one time phenomenon there is nothing like creation and annihilation instead consciousness is constantly expanding and contracting through mortal eyes and this is seen as creation and annihilation birth and death life is an ever flowing stream of consciousness when and how it started no one no one can say this current creation had its beginning somewhere in somewhere in the dissolution of the previous cycle of creation during this during the time of dissolution individual soul which are numberless fall into cosmic slumber when under the will of the divine nature comes out of this slumber these individual soul also wake up we call this the beginning of creation just as the night sleep does not dissolve yesterday's unfinished project the long the long sleep between cycle of creation does not clear up our prevent karmic debt when we wake up our our karmas wake wake up along with us and we start the cycle all over again those who break the cycle are fortunate people who are familiar with the boundless domain of knowledge and consciousness may still argue that there that there has be that there has to be some beginning but trying to find a beginning of the uh, beginningless is a fool errand that is why in regard to this question a great master like buddha remained silent and why the sages of the upanishad simply smiled and said uh, this is a wonder next is once you have direct experience of truth are you really free from the bondage of birth and death do you become immortal as as the scripture says a knower of the eternal self atman becomes immortal this does not mean that you will never die rather you you transcend your attachment to worldly object including your own body and maintain the joy of simply being death is the habit death is a habit of a body which is composed of different element and and so must decompose one day while we are alive we are motivated by our desire to undertake certain action in most cases 
these actions are goal oriented attachment to the fruit of an action leads to disappointment and misery if we fail to achieve the fruits of our action we are depressed if we succeeded we became attached this attachment is a source of fear because sooner or later we lose what we have gained either we must leave those object we worked so hard for and they are destroyed but desire itself is never destroyed insatiable desire forces us to perform actions which create misery to overcome these self created misery we perform more we perform more action thinking this will liberate us many desires for performing action and receiving the fruit of our action are not fulfilled in this lifetime those unfulfilled desire create the psychological condition for continuing this cycle of birth and death to free yourself from this cycle you must cultivate an attitude of non attachment toward worldly object this is possible only when you know that there is higher truth then you will no longer be tempted by the charm of the world after knowing the higher truth para vidya lower truth apar vidya loses its loses its binding power in the light of higher truth lower truth is seen as provisional and enlightened person know that the external world is like the water in the mirage it is a waste of it is a waste of time to run after such water it cannot quench your thirst ignore such appearance and seek the oasis of peace and happiness brahman the highest truth after knowing brahman do you really experience oneness with the universal consciousness yes the knower of brahman becomes brahman brahmvid brahmiva bhavati if you know only the real reality that is the reality you believe in for you it is the only reality your concept of pleasure and pain loss and gain and bondage and freedom are confined to the object in your field of knowing in this tiny illusory world you fashion your self image you find yourself poorer than someone else richer than someone else and so forth because of your limited vision you become the victim of numberless self created complexes if you identify yourself as a merchant you you derive delight from becoming richer than other merchant and you conceptualize heaven as a place where you will be where you will be able to enjoy those riches you were not able to attain on earth for those who live in the desert heaven is filled with oases and hell as has no water such concept of heaven and hell and bondage and freedom parallel our self image which itself is a reflection of a circumstances of our little world in this world we love we either love our self image or hate it in either case we are afraid of losing it because we believe it is ourselves people with superiority or inferiority complex appreciate or depreciate themselves but in the final analysis do not want to lose what they are nevertheless as circumstances changes our self image our self image changes and fall apart 
in spite of all our effort to sustain it because we can't stop this process of change we are insecure and fearful this process becomes a continuous death which we experience before the actual death before the actual death of the body thus the knower of the lower reality remains in the lower reality you are whatever you know you know yourself to be this is simple law thus thus the knower of brahman thus the knower of brahman becomes brahman the moment you know you are you are inseparable from universal consciousness you become the universal you become that universal consciousness your faith is in that consciousness will grow and your self image will be transformed you no longer feel superior or inferior to anyone else you are free from all complexes and for you in for you in all complexes and diversity find their rightful place they become an integral part of you they are diverse and seemingly contradictory appearance beautify your your unified awareness you understand that you are not you are not part of collective consciousness rather rather you are collective consciousness all changes taking place within the realm of consciousness are natural and have no effect on the eternity eternity of consciousness for example in a forest there are plant shrubs vines animals insects rocks and so forth if we look at everything that exists in that forest individually we will not see the forest as such as such although we can't deny the existence of the forest from the standpoint of an individual tree in the forest the destruction of a particular plant or insect may be significant but from the perspective of the forest it is all part of the process of growth even if the entire forest were to catch fire and burn down it would still exist because the potential for regeneration would remain when you identify yourself with universal consciousness you experience oneness with all and find great delight in witnessing the changes taking place in the external world as well as as well as in yourself fear of destruction death and decay vanishes you become fearless loving all and rejecting none for you know that everyone and everything in the universe is simply an elaboration for yourself in this state of realization love alone is your spontaneous expression because that has become your nature if aftman is not subject to birth and death or to bondage and freedom then do we need to do spiritual practice who who does this who does the practice and who receives its fruit atman is pure and enlightened subject neither to birth nor death and therefore nor death therefore does not require freedom from from bondage it is never bound by any law it is it is the mind that ignorantly believes itself to be believe itself to be a bondage and strives for liberation spiritual practices are meant to liberate the mind not atman mind with its employees the senses and the body does the 
practice and if it is lucky gets the reward at least the pure self stands the pure self stand still from eternity to eternity and witness the play staggered by the master staggered by the master by the master magician called mind once the mind create the concept of bondage and is convinced that it is bound it can it cannot rest until it is convinced that it is totally free unfortunately its conviction of bondage is so strong that it must go through an arduous process of freeing itself from its own restraint this is called intense sadhana but why practice why not just study contemplate and gain the conviction that you are pure self and become that through study and contemplation on on the non self which is destroyed by knowledge of the two self you experience yourself as a pure unalloyed totally independent wave of consciousness this can be achieved by virtue of your contemplative knowledge but in what sense are you perfectly free being the unlimited grandeur knowledge and and bliss within can be brought forward only by awakening and unfolding the infinite power of atman you awaken it through sadhana it is as if you are billionaire who has completely forgotten about the about the money you have in the bank and have come to think of yourself as poor you cannot claim your wealth if you if you don't know it exists but if you remember you are billionaire you no longer think of yourself as poor but you still need to know which bank your wealth is stored in how to withdraw it and how to find your your way to the bank for that purpose you need convincing knowledge that cannot be contradicted by argument you gain that knowledge through spiritual practice the experience the experiences these sages have recorded in the scriptures confirming the existence of atman and its infinite power atma shakti is like a passbook your unshakable conviction fully supported by reason and logic is like a recognizing your name on the passbook opening it and reading the balance on the ground of this knowledge desire grows to find the source of your wealth learning the learning the proper system of sadhana is like acquainting yourself with the root to the bank seeking direct guidance from uh, from a teacher is like overcoming doubt about which way to turn at the crossroad reaching the source and gaining access to that which which was already which was already yours is called spiritual accomplishment the realization of who you are and how great and infinite you are chapter number 6 is establishing a personal practice uh the starting point how can i prepare myself to establish a personal practice the first and most important step in preparing for spiritual journey is to knowing why we are undertaking it we charity can no longer be ignored we develop this understanding when we realize 
when we realize that something precious is missing in our lives think about it as what you have achieved so far given you complete satisfaction have you found the real meaning of your life most of us have been working all all our lives to make ourselves secure and comfortable we are also seeking emotional satisfaction but instead we find only fatigue and disappointment we spend our entire lives meeting the demands of the body and mind yet even those uh, who have been the most successful in in attaining material comfort are not satisfied everyone wants more but most people do not quite know what it is that they want more of if we listen we can hear the voice of the soul from deep within asking what about me if we heed it we realize we have not been attending to the needs of the soul that is when we start thinking about spirituality not knowing exactly how to undertake our spiritual search we begin browsing in book stories attending lectures listening to tapes visiting holy shrines or searching for swamis pandit medicine men kung fu teachers or thai or thai chi master in the beginning it is hard for us to know why one path is more appropriate than another why certain practices are more fruitful than others and most importantly which practice is most suitable for us at this stage in our spiritual development we can successfully begin our quest only if we know where we if we know where we stand physically mentally and spiritually therefore we must first look at our lives as a whole and understand that we are neither body nor mind alone neither can function smoothly without the help of the other it is also important to understand the force connecting the body with the mind this is the vital force the life sustaining energy known as prana chi or hara a person whose pranic energy is depleted cannot maintain either physical or or psychological health a person with an unhealthy body and a confused mind is not fit to follow any path such a person is always dependent on others whereas spirituality is a quest for freedom on every level there for no matter which path we eventually choose the second step is learning how to balance the body breath and mind once we have begun working with the technique of bringing the body breath and mind into a state of harmony the next step is learning how to recognize the heed of voice of the soul because it is not possible to be happy unless our lives have spiritual meaning the forces of our body breath and mind have to be have to be brought into the service of the soul to be uh, to be complete a spiritual path must encompass technique for creating harmony among the body breath and mind and ultimately connecting them with the soul once this connection has been made and our action are guided by the eight by the by the light of the soul our relationship are no longer complicated or difficult our vision of life becomes clearer and we are and we are able to choose the appropriate path the one that will lead us to our goal unless our unless our vision is clear we are in danger of choosing a path at random at random and staying on it only until we meet obstacles and and become frustrated uh, when we will when we will switch to whatever path next present itself and stay on it until our excitement again peters out
how can i decide which part of myself to work on first the task of choosing the right path and following it consistently until we reach the goal requires an assessment of our physical pranic and mental capacity we can avoid wasting our time if we get a complete picture of our life before deciding where to begin the process of self transformation all of us have strength and weakness take the time to consider whether it will be more fruitful for you to overcome your weaknesses by enhancing the stronger part of yourself or whether you can whether you can best strengthen yourself by overcoming your weakness the tendency is to identify with the weak and and messy parts of yourself but this leads to self condemnation which damages your will power usually it is better to invest your energy in further cultivating the the strong healthy and beautiful part of your personality by doing this you will eventually create such a reservoir of self confidence self trust and inner strength that working with the weaker part of yourself will be much easier however there are instances where aware the weak and dark part of the self have put down such deep root that each time you attempt to work towards self transformation you run into a you run into a into a wall of obstacles such as illness procrastination doubt laziness lack of motivation and so on in such cases it is better to work on eliminating the weaknesses that are the source that are the source of these of these ex experiment with the help of self analysis and self observation and under the guidance of competent teacher you can discover where you are stuck and identify the weakness that are the root of your frustration once you find out where you where you are stuck and have decided whether it is best to begin working with the stronger or weaker parts of yourself you must take charge of your body and mind no one else can walk the path of spiritual unfoldment for you this is the path of self mastery and self discovery unless you find yourself you will remain lost you must so you must learn to resolve your fear insecurities and other psychological complaints by yourself in the beginning you may seek help from therapists counselor teachers and gurus but ultimately what count is your own commitment to help yourself and to turn your your mind inward how can i turn my mind inward if you think about it you will realize that you have been searching for happiness all your life you have tried everything fine clothes gourmet food various sensual gratification exercise classes stress management techniques counseling and so on but your mind has remained filled with anxiety and negative thought at some point you will discover that transformation takes place only when you work with yourself and that happiness comes only from within remind yourself of the moment when you realize how important it is to heal your body to protect your nervous system and to nourish and revitalize your senses this reminder will inspire you to withdraw your mind from the stressful activities of the world and to turn it inward to find the peace which cannot be found anywhere else remember too how painful and frustrating it is to be caught up in the worldly mess remind yourself of all the disappointment you have suffered 
trying to find lasting peace and happiness in the external world a mind that does not have a firm understanding of the unsatisfactory nature of the so-called pleasure of the world falls prey to disturbing thoughts, emotion, memories and anxiety during its inward journey. Such a mind tends to go back to its old being. Turning your mind inward requires firm knowledge that this is the only way you will find peace and joy. If a mind turned inward is the real vehicle for completing this spiritual journey, why, why is it necessary to spend so much time working with my body and breath. Turning the mind inward is the most important step but the body, breath, mind and soul are intertwined. That is why your spiritual practice will be more fruitful if it includes techniques for working with your body, breath, mind and soul simultaneously. A productive practice is one that is designed to enable you to penetrate the deeper layer of your being while reducing the obstacles you encounter on the outer layer, the body, breath and mind, a tired body, an erratic breathing pattern and a scattered mind are not fit tool for the spiritual journey. That is why yogis invented physical postures, asanas to energize the tired, energize the tired body, a system of a system of relaxation to to restore the vitality of the nervous system and breathing exercises, pranayam to regulate the breath and to revitalize the body and mind by incorporating yogic exercise, breathing practices and relaxation techniques into your daily routine. Along with your meditation practice, you can reach the summit faster and more easily working with the body. Working with the body and breath while training the mind is the best way to prepare a solid foundation for an ever-advancing spiritual practice. Next is what is the best kind of exercise to include in my daily routine to ensure my physical ensure my physical well-being. According to the science of yoga, exercise that stimulate the whole body rather than just one particular muscle group are best yoga postures, stretch and stimulate the muscles ligament and joint restoring elasticity and tone to the body. They stimulate circulation and revitalize the internal organ, the brain and the nervous system. Practicing these postures also enables the respiratory system to perform more efficiently, taking in greater amount of oxygen and eliminating and eliminating more toxins. The postures the postures also increase stamina and relieve tension. Yoga asanas are designed to balance exertion with rest and relaxation because they don't affect the normal functioning of the lungs and heart. Yoga postures are not a substitute for aerobic classes. The effectiveness of asanas lies in the coordination between breath and movement. These postures can be practiced by the strong and the weak, the healthy the healthy and the relatively unhealthy the basic goal of these postures are to create and maintain a maintain a healthy body and a peaceful mind what is the key to a fruitful practice of yoga postures there are four primary points to keep in mind when practicing number one watch your breath coordinate your movement coordinate your movement with your breath pay attention to your breath and make sure that your physical movement do not interfere with your breathing pattern and vice versa. Inhale each time your torso expands in a posture and exhale when it contracts. 
breathe deeply and smoothly number 2 stay within your capacity be aware of your level of energy flexibility and stamina each time you practice the these may change from day to day stop before you feel fatigue the object is to feel good while you are doing the postures and to feel refreshed and energized after you are the number 3 is follow a balanced practice any exertion on a particular limb organ or muscle group created by an exercise should be counterbalanced by another exercise for example the flow posture stretches the back of the neck and should be followed by the fist posture which which stretches the front of the neck number 4 is take time to relax begin and end each exercise session with a systematic relaxation next is my schedule is so hectic that i can't manage more than 20 20 or 30 minutes for exercise can you design an effective asanas routine for me yoga posture work yoga posture work with the entire body including the internal organ the effects are subtle so be careful not to do too much at first spending 20 to 30 minute doing simple asana is plenty in the beginning watch how your body respond as you include more advanced exercise in your routine your body and your sense of enjoyment are your best guide maintaining a regular moderate practice and following it with a period of relaxation will enable you to expand your capacity in a delightful and amazing and amazing way traditionally the morning is considered the best the best time for yoga postures because because the stomach because the stomach is empty the colon is clean and the atmosphere is calm and soothing but the stresses of modern but the stresses of modern life often makes this impractical many people feel too stiff to practice in the morning or have or have such busy schedule that they do not have time for relaxation then and prefer to practice in the evening hunger and fatigue are the main drawback to practicing at the end of the day you cannot do yoga postures on full stomach so you must either practice before dinner or eat a light meal and then wait for at least at least an hour and half before doing your posture be sure to do a relaxation exercise to eliminate tension and fatigue before beginning the exercise the exercises themselves as for how to organize the routine itself the following sequence of posture will will prove beneficial number 1 is simple warm up exercise including upward stretching forward and backward bending and side bending number 2 is exercises for the wrist shoulder hip knee and ankle joint number 3 is a spinal number 3 is a spinal twist number 4 is an abdominal lift number 5 is alternate nostril breathing number 6 is systematic relaxation on those on those days when you only have a few minutes to practice a few repetition of the sun salutation will stretch all the major muscle groups and leave you feeling relaxed and energized follow the sun salutation with a minute or two of the agni sara a technique for activating the solar plexus strengthening the digestive system and toning the internal organ in a minimum amount of amount of time next question is
finish the book I have. Next question is the book I have read on yoga and holistics and holistic health indicate that breathing plays an important role in our physical and mental well-being. Can you explain why this is? Can you explain why this is so and give me and give me a sequence that can help prepare me for yogic breathing practices? And answer is the scripture says that breath is breath is life and life is breath. Through the breath you receive vitality from the atmosphere. Further, the breath is the link between the individual and the cosmic being as well as between the body and the mind. The yogic breathing practices are called pranayam, which literally means expanding the vital force or gaining control over the activities of the vital force, vital force within. In a healthy, in a healthy breathing pattern, the breath flow is deep, smooth and silent. There is no pause between inhalation and exhalation, which are of which are of approximately equal duration. Even through the deep, the breath is deep. There is little, there is little movement of the upper chest. This is an indication of di- diaphragmatic breathing, which is basic to yogic breathing practices. Diaphragmatic breathing enables you to balance and control your emotion. It also reduces fatigue and stress and helps you feel your best. The first step in training yourself to breathe diaphragmatically is to strengthen the diaphragm by working with the working with a sandbag. For this, you need a five-pound sandbag that is tight enough to retain its shape, but not so tight that it is rock hard. You may use another kind. Of weight, but make sure, but make sure it is relatively soft and that you are comfortable when it is placed on your abdomen. Begin by lying, begin by lying on your back and relax, back and relaxing, and relaxing your body systematically from head to toe. Calm your breath now. Gently place the sandbag on your abdomen if you have heart problem lung problem or blood pressure abnormalities place the sandbag on the muscle below the navel make sure the sandbag is supported by the abdomen not by the pelvic girdle close your eyes and breathe you must make an effort to inhale but the exhalation should be effortless notice how should be uh, Notice how the sandbag rises as you inhale and drops as you exhale. After three to five, after three to five months, remove the remove the sandbag and relax on your back for the few more minutes. In addition to strengthening your diaphragm, this practice will help you to regulate the motion of your lungs in concert with the movement of the. Of the diaphragm. After several weeks, you may want to increase the weight of the sandbag. If you do this gradually, staying within your comfort range, you may ultimately increase the weight to 10 to 15, 10 to 15 pound. Can you further explain the benefit of diap diaphragmatic breathing and how to develop the habit of breathing this way? Answer is the diaphragm is the muscle. Diaphragm is the muscle.
is the muscle that divides the torso into two separate chambers, the thorax and the abdomen. It forms the floor of the thorax and rests against the base of the lung. The lungs are like sponges as they contract and expand. The used up, gas, the used up gases are expelled and oxygen and oxygen is absorbed during exhalation. The dome-shaped diaphragm muscle relaxes and and presses up against the lungs. Inhalation follows as the diaphragm contracts away from the lungs, allowing them allowing them to expand. This is the way our bodies this is the way our bodies were designed to breathe. All of us breathe it diaphragmatically as babies in healthy person. The movement of the diaphragm is responsible for 75 percent of the exchange of gases in the lungs in many people however the diaphragm the diaphragm extends and blocks natural breathing this causes fatigue tension and more serious problem one of the first aims of yoga is to re-establish good breathing habit restoring the habit of a diaphragmatic breathing accomplish this you can learn what a correct Diaphragmatic breath feels like by lying in the crocodile posture to assume the crocodile lie on your abdomen with your legs a comfortable distance apart. The toes can be pointed in or out whichever is more comfortable. Fold the arms in front of the body resting each hand on the opposite arm above the elbow. Position the arm so that the base of the rib cage touches the floor, place the forehead on the forearm as you breathe the diaphragm, diaphragm moves vertically pressing, vertically pressing against the lungs from below, when you inhale the abdomen expand pressing against the floor and the back rises gently as, as you exhale the abdomen contract and the back Falls gently. Both of these effects are produced by the movement of the diaphragm. You can establish the habit of diaphragmatic breathing in daily life by practicing the crocodile pose three times a day for five to ten minutes. When you are finished, roll into your back and observe your abdomen as it expands and contracts with the breath. Next, sit in a chair and again. Watch your breathing, keep your abdomen relaxed. The last step is to stand as you continue to breathe diaphragmatically. Practice regularly until diaphragmatic breathing becomes a habit. Next question is, I have feeling very nervous and agitated lately. Is there a breathing practice that can, that can help me? Answer is alternate nostril breathing also known as Nadi also known as Nadi Shodhanam also known as Nadi Shodhanam a channel purification is a means of purifying the subtle energy channel in the body and bringing the activities of the nervous system to to a state of balance this practice is done as follows number one sit with your leg crossed in easy pose or on the chair with your feet flat on the floor make sure your head neck and trunk is are aligned number two is bring your right hand to the nose holding the index finger and the middle finger so that the right thumb can be used to close the right nostril and the ring finger can be used to close the left nostril number three is close the left nostril 
and exhale completely through the right nostril. Number four is at the end of the exhalation, close the right nostril and inhale through the left nostril slowly and completely. The inhalation and exhalation should be of equal should be of equal duration. Should be of equal duration. Number five is repeat this cycle two more times. Number six is at the end of the third inhalation through the left nostril, change the pattern by keeping the right nostril closed with the closed with the thumb and exhalating completely through the left nostril. Number seven is then close the then close the left nostril and inhale through the right nostril. Number eight is repeat this pattern two more times. This completes one round. This cycle can be repeated. Make your exhalation and inhalation even beginning with a duration that is well within your comfortable capacity. Many people begin with the 6 second breath, exhaling for 3 seconds and inhaling for 3. As you continue to practice, you will gradually lengthen, you will gradually lengthen your breath. Next question is, the air where I live is polluted. Is there a breathing exercise that will that will help keep my lungs clean? Answer is the two point, the two ratio one breathing practice is an absolute necessity absolute necessity for people living in the city where the air is polluted. This practice cleans the lungs and purifies the blood. In addition, the practice is relaxing and has the effect of increasing your vital energy. You may practice two ratio. You may practice two ratio one breathing either in the either in the pop pose or in sitting posture. Begin by establishing a pattern of even breathing. You, you can count to make sure that your inhalation and exhalation are of equal length. This may take this may take several this may take several uh, practice session. Once you have established a comfortable pattern of even breathing, begin to exhale longer than you inhale. For example, count to ten while inhaling and to 12 while exhaling after a period of after a period of days or weeks try lengthening your your exhalation by a few more count until you are inhaling for 10 count and exhaling for 20 this may take two or three months of daily practice as with all yoga practices be sure to stay within your comfortable capacity when you have been when you have been breathing at a rate of 10 acceleration and 12 and 20 acceleration for several weeks, begin expanding the length of the inhalation while continuing to make the exhalation twice as long. For instance, if you inhale for 12 count, exhale for 24 count, take your take your time and expand your capacity until you are inhaling for 15 count and exhaling for 30 if you spend 5 minutes at least once a day breathing in this manner you will be riding your lungs of toxins from the polluted air around you you will also find the practice very relaxing next question is there are many days when i can't manage to find more than 5 minutes for relaxation what is the simplest and the quickest and the quickest relaxation exercise 
किस रिलैक्सेशन एक्सरसाइज आई कैन डू आंसर इज द वर्ड रिलैक्सेशन मे मे बी सम वॉट मिस लीडिंग इफ यू ट्राई टू रिलैक्स यू विल फेल दिस इज डब्ल्यू थ्रू इफ यू ट्राई टू रिलैक्स इन हरी रिलैक्सेशन इज दर्ट ऑफ लेटिंग गो इट मस्ट बी लर्न सिस्टमेटिकली एंड देन अलाउड टू प्रोग्रेस नेचुरली देर आर मेनी मेथड्स ऑफ योगा रिलैक्सेशन दिस वन विच इज डन इन दी क्रोकोडाइल पोज इज दी सिंपलेस्ट एंड टेक्स ओनली फाइव मिनट एज नोटेड अब इन दिस पोज यू विल ऑटोमेटिकली बिगिन टू ब्रीथ डायटोमेटिकली एज यू लाई इन दी पोस्टर ऑब्जर्व यूर ब्रीथिंग लेट दी ब्रीथ बिकम्स डीप एंड स्मूथ वाइल इनहेलिंग फील दी अबडोमिन जेंटली प्रेस अगेंस्ट दी फ्लोर वाइल एक्सहेलिंग फील दी अबडोमिन कॉन्ट्रैक्ट कॉन्ट्रैक्ट लेट दी बॉडी रिलैक्स कम्प्लीटली लेट द बॉडी रिलैक्स कम्प्लीटली एंड कीप योर अटेंशन जेंटली जेंटली फोकस्ड focused on your breath for next 5 next 5 minute next question is i am under so much pressure that i i really even have time to sleep enough at night let alone time to do any hatha yoga practice what do you suggest answer is tension and stresses and stress are the breeding ground for many physical and psychomatic ailment if you keep yourself so busy attending to endless jobs and obligation that you do not have a few minute to rest your body will eventually force you to slow force you to slow down by becoming ill what is the point of saying staying so busy that you do not even have time to enjoy yourself or to use any of your energy for accomplishing the higher purpose of life no matter how how little time you seem to have it is essential that you manage to reserve some of it for resting and relaxing the following method of relaxation takes 15 to 20 minutes but will but will leave you alone but will leave you feeling more rested and refreshed than several hours of sleep this exercise is done in the corpse pose a posture that relieves tension and helps to bring the mind into a state of relaxed concentration lie on your back with a thin cushion under the head cover cover yourself with cover yourself with the sheet or thin shawl place place the legs of comfortable distance apart and separate your arms slightly from your body with the palm turned up the spine should be straight not bent to either side take the time to make yourself comfortable in this posture then become still close your eyes and be aware of your body and and space around you and the place on which your body rests observe your entire body from head to toe cultivate the cultivate and enjoy the perfect stillness of your body now bring your attention to your breath observe each exhalation and inhalation and let the breath become deep and diaphragmatic breathing out release all tension fatigue and anxiety inhale a sense of energy and well being do not pause uh, between the breath after several after several gently scan your body gently scan your body mentally 
you will naturally release tension in the places where you observe it this letting go is the relaxation process systematically survey systematically survey your body from head to toe and then back to the head in this sequence forehead in this sequence forehead eyebrow eyes and nose pause for two breaths then proceed to your cheeks mouth jaw chin neck shoulder arms hands fingers and fingertips again pause with your attention resting in your fingertips with two breaths before shifting it gently back to the finger hands arms shoulder chest and and heart center pause at the heart center for four breaths then shift your awareness to your stomach navel region pelvic region legs feet and toes pause at your toes for four breaths then reverse the order and proceed upward this time without any pauses after progressing through the whole body gently relax your mind turn your attention to a turn your attention to the quiet flow of your breath and observe the entire breathing process rest for a few minutes rest for a few minutes and and entertain the feeling that that this subtle stream of breath is linking you to the cosmos then roll into your side and sit up some practice will be required to complete this exercise without a without a lapse of attention if your mind wanders simply bring it gently back to the relaxation process if you do this practice every day for a week the benefit will become so obvious that you will find a way to fit this 20 minute break into your hectic schedule next is advancing on the path can you give me specific instruction on how to do meditation practice answer is there are many method of meditation in all of them the most important thing is to be systematic even the best method of meditation if not done systematically it is of little it is of little use the following nine point are indispensable in a systematic practice number 1 before practicing freshen up and prepare yourself psychologically wash your hand and face and put on loose comfortable clothes the room where you meditate should be clean and the temperature moderate number 2 is do a relaxation practice and several rounds of alternate nostril breathing to overcome fatigue before sitting for relax before sitting for meditation number 3 is make a mental resolution that that for next 20 to 30 minutes you will you will entertain neither your memories of the past nor your anxiety about the nor your anxiety about the future number 4 is either sit on the floor in a comfortable cross leg posture or sit in a chair with your feet flat on the floor make sure that your head neck and trunk are trunk are aligned relax your relax your shoulder and let your hand rest on and your knees or thigh number 5 is close your eyes and withdraw your mind from all direction mentally draw a circle of light around yourself separating yourself from all external affairs fill your mind and heart fill your mind and heart with with the with the feeling of divine presence remind yourself 
that the divine light pervading the universe is present to you that it is a privilege to attend it after establishing the presence of the divine bring your attention to your breath number 6 is breathe gently and naturally without jerk pauses and noise make sure your breath is flowing smoothly even evenly and soundless as soon as you have completed your inhalation begin exhaling exhaling begin inhaling as soon as you have completed your exhalation thus you inhale and exhale as as if the breath were an unbroken circle to make sure that you are breathing diaphragmatically be aware of gentle out, outward and inward motion of your of your abdomen as you inhale and exhale your chest should move on slightly or or not at all number 7 is focus focus on your breath and watch how it flows from your nostril to your heart center as you inhale and from the heart center to the nostril as you exhale notice the breath as it passes the point where your nostril meet your upper lip number 8 is now deepen your concentration on your breath allow your mind to follow the flow of flow of your breath with each inhalation try to feel that your mind is traveling between your nostril and your heart and with each exhalation back from the heart of the nostril does your breath does your breath and mind are mind are flowing your breath mind are flowing together as one inseparable stream of awareness go go still deeper into your breath and you will hear in your mind a sound that naturally emerges from the breath that sound is so hum number 9 is focus mentally on the sound so hum while you inhale listen to the sound so and while you exhale listen to the sound hum let your mind breath and sound so hum flows together stay with this practice for as long as you find it enjoyable the next step for those who have received a personal mantra through formal imitation is to focus on that mantra if you have received mantra initiation follow the meditation instruction given to you at that time even if they conflict with these general guidelines next question is when i started my meditation practice i found it enjoyable and inspiring but now that feeling is beginning to fade i can't seem to concentrate on my breath anymore why answer is usually we begin the practice of meditation to overcome specific concern stress fatigue deeply rooted sadness or anger a longing to know ourselves or a desire to experience god if we are lucky we find a balanced path of spirituality that consists of technique for ensuring health and well-being on all level of our existence body breath mind and soul when we commit ourselves to such a balanced path of spirituality we experience a totally new level of physical and mental bliss usually focusing on the breath and the sound so hum is the first step in cultivating a meditation practice this is this is a wonderful 
aids to concentrate concentration and for a period of time we are we are content with our we are content with our practice but eventually we are confronted we are confronted with issue and obstacles that had previously been completely outside of our awareness this is this is a condition common to all spiritual all spiritual discipline in the beginning stage of the journey whether the path selected is the meditative root of the vedic sages or the contemplative root of buddhist or christian saint aspirant feel as through everything is fine and divine as a result of the initial as a result of the initial practice of meditation concentration prayer selfless service and other component of the spiritual path the mind becomes inward and the heart is purified such an inwardly turned mind begins to penetrate a deep level of our being where subtle impression of our past are deposited in the in the form of unconscious memories before we start before we before we start our 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 inward journey we are so busy with our day to day worldly worldly affair that we have neither the opportunity nor the capacity to see how big the pile of trash in our mind really is how fierce the tornado in our heart is 18 o'clock with the help of our practice the body the body relaxes and the senses became calm and tranquil as a result the conscious part of our mind gets relief gets relief from constantly attending to endless worries and concern during meditation that is when we say i had a wonderful meditation during this phase you are simply meditating on your breath or the sound so hum you are in a relatively quiet tranquil state and the mind is following with the flow of your breath suddenly a uh, a thought sneaks in that guy at the gas station was really huge you realize that you are you realize that you are entertaining a silly a silly thought and you bring your mind back to your breath or the sound of soham after practicing regularly and sincerely for 6 months or more you have overcome the the tendencies of the mind to bl- to brood on trivial things which is which is a great relief at this point the next phase of the journey begins as the conscious mind relaxes the unconscious mind gradually takes over you are no longer distracted by the memories of the guy at the at the gas station the beautiful dress you saw in the store or what you or what you need to do at the office instead you may begin to experience emotional emotional turmoil that you don't know how to handle negative thought and strong emotion begin flooding uncontrolled into your mind but you do not know the cause of such intense anger sadness and depression attempt to attempt to banish these thought and feeling by focusing your mind and sound so hum usually don't succeed this is the time when you need this is the time when you need personal guidance and a more specific object for focusing the mind for focusing the mind then focusing the mind 
देन सो हम एट दिस जंक्शन यू मे नीड टू रिसीव फॉर्मल मंत्रा इनिशिएशन द एनर्जी इनहेरेंट इन अ मंत्रा विल इनेबल यू टू कॉन्सेंट्रेट योर माइंड मोर सक्सेसफुली देन यू कैन वाइल फोकसिंग ऑन द ब्रेथ ऑफ द साउंड सो हम नेक्स्ट क्वेश्चन इज नेक्स्ट क्वेश्चन इज वट कैन आई डू वेन आई कॉन्ट गेट नेगेटिव थाट आउट ऑफ माई आउट ऑफ माई माइंड लेट सच थाट कम एंड गो थ्रू द बैक डोर ऑफ योर माइंड बट डू नॉट इन्वॉल्व योर सेल्फ इन एंटरटेनिंग दैम लेटिंग योर थाट एंड इमोशन वो रिक्वायर्स नो एफर्ट यू मेक नाइदर एन एफर्ट टू लेट दैम कम नॉर एन एफर्ट टू लेट दैम गो इफ यू डू यू आर पार्टिसिपेटिंग in the process of letting go rather than the process of meditation another way of looking at it that letting go is a by product of meditation but meditation is also a by product of letting go by cultivating the habit of letting go you pass through the phase of being disturbed by memories and anxieties and anxieties during meditation ordinary emotions will will not be able to distract you but some of the more powerful emotion will not leave your mind alone regardless of how diligently you apply the formula of letting go it seems that some emotions springing from totally unknown source however over the mind and you can't ignore them when you cannot let go of thought and emotion you must learn to witness them this means acknowledging the thought and emotions without adding any interpretation and elaboration instead of denying them on remaining or remaining indifferent toward them try to understand what they are what is causing them and how meaningful they are in the present moment as you cultivate this skill you will find that no matter how pertinent these thought and feeling were in the past they are now virtually meaningless only your attachment gives life to thought and emotion connected to the past thereby allowing them to influence the past by witnessing these powerful thought and emotions in a detached manner you will you will nullify the you will nullify the influence they have over your mind remember witnessing remember witnessing does not mean involving yourself in a mental debate but simply letting but simply letting the facts present themselves objectively when done skillfully the practice of witnessing induces a sense of non attachment and non involvement once this feeling intermingles with the stream of meditation thought emotion memories and anxieties lose their power to entangle your entangle your mind next question is i have read that meditation deepens in stages can you tell me what what they are answer is answer is the first three stages are outlined in are outlined in the answers to the previous two question the fourth stage begins when we have mastered the skill of witnessing at this time meditate meditation becomes deeper we begin to experience an inner joy that cannot be found in any other source the mind has become more one pointed and subtle now it can 
now it can see through the dark night of the soul now and then during the meditation the mind gets a glimpse of an of an everlasting life it can clearly feel that the kingdom of the soul is more pervasive and richer than any worldly kingdom it can clearly see the divine light but can't reach it a thin but mysterious veil hangs between the kingdom of the soul and the mind yet that curtain is enough to create a barrier between our little self and the glorious universal self a seeker needs to tear that that veil away he or she tries he or she tries more meditation more prayer more selfless service more study and more purification but nothing really seems to work as the longing and frustration mount there comes a desperate cry from the soul which spontaneously result in in self surrender self surrender means surrendering all your action and their fruit to the divine you still continue to do your practice but you no longer feel that you are the doer of the practice now the internal condition of the practice are totally different at this stage you will feel that the practice is being done by the divine being who dwell within you and that you are just witnessing it you no longer have the feeling that you are working hard to penetrate the veil that stands between you and the divine it is the grace of the divine that lifts the that lifts the veil at that instant the lower and the beloved become one the experience of this union is ecstasy after attaining this state of ecstasy there is nothing else to be achieved here is the process of meditation is transformed into the into a state of meditation and our mediator remains in that meditative state even while living in the while living in the world Next question is I know the path of spirituality I am following is perfect for me I know that it will lead me to the highest goal yet my motivation for practice fades why do I become distracted and forget my goal you seem to already have the first prerequisite a firm conviction that the path of spirituality you have decided to follow is the best one for you the next step is to make a firm resolution to commit yourself to following that path the best way to avoid becoming distracted and forgetting your goal is to practice regularly and sincerely with love and reverence in many cases we know we know what ought to be done but our habit patterns drive us in the opposite direction such habit pattern can be conquered only by other habit pattern which are equally or more or more powerful habit patterns are created through our repeated action a meditative habit created by undertaking the the practice voluntarily and consistent can counteract the effect of unconscious habit patterns that is why the yoga sutra recommend that we continue our practice sincerely and respectfully for a long period of time without interruption practicing for a long period of time without interruption helps form a new habit related to the practice itself 
practice itself because old habits are constantly getting getting in our way and we are not yet fully devoted devoted to our practice we find many reason to interrupt our practice postpone it or drop it all together if you do not know how important the practice is we will have very little interest in doing it if we undertake a practice out of our if we undertake a practice out of mere curiosity we can't sustain it for long sometimes people come to me for practices with an attitude that oh well i'll try this i will try this thing i will try this thing although they are not really convinced it will be it will be beneficial when you have such a dubious attitude you begin to count the minute while doing the practice wondering how many minutes how many minute you have been sitting and what benefit you are getting this is a businessman attitude counting the time and and assessing the fruit because you see no immediate tangible result you get uh, you get a uh, discouraged but spirituality is not a short term investment how much time are you willing to invest one one lifetime several lifetimes we make all kinds of risky investment that are short term and temporary by the by the time some investment are about to mature we may have to leave everything behind everything in this world is full of us because everything in the external world is temporary and transitory spirituality is the only investment that does not involve any risk because it is eternal even when the body is dropped our spiritual evolution continues and we continue to reap the fruit of our so called investment because there is nothing more profound and valuable than finding spiritual meaning in life the practice leading to the unfoldment of that spiritual of that spiritual meaning is very precious to however to remain inspired and to avoid becoming complacent start with a small goal perhaps you want to be healthy or to learn a a particular or to learn a particular technique or to work with certain habit or tendencies of the mind achieving these minute goals will let you know that you are making you are making progress but as far as your as far as your spiritual practice is concerned don't don't confine your self to these paltry objective rather know that spiritual practice is a lifelong pursuit and does develop respect for it whether you notice any result or not keep practicing and find delight in the practice itself whether you are getting anything whether you get anything out of it or not doesn't matter just strain your mind to find some delight in fact that you are doing the practice you need to have you need to have more respect and reverence for your practice than for anything else in the world practice to to your fullest capacity according to your best grasp of the concept and even if you have a bad teacher or have not understood properly you will find that something valuable manifests from the practice itself this happens because the truth is within you and if your goal is a truth you are bound to you are bound to reach it if you do 
if you do the practice respectfully for an unbroken and prolonged period that practice becomes a powerful guiding and protective force and will draw the truth toward you that's why regularity is important you may say i don't have time to practice i have too much work this statement shows that you have not yet understood that the practice is never less important than any work you are doing you need to get to a point where you know that life is a complete is a complete waste meaningless and useless unless the unless the higher purpose of that life is accomplished once you realize that nothing is more important than your practice you will find that you have a lot of time you have lot of time for it reserve time reserve time for meditation contemplation and study regular study of genuine spiritual text will remind you to your will remind you to your goal and inspire you to stay on the path especially during those period when you are just about to slip next next question is i long for spiritual bliss when i am surrounded by pain misery and grief but once the condition in my world became better i lose my spiritual fervor how can i keep it alive answer is to keep your spiritual to keep your spiritual fervor alive you must be you must be skillful this is also a part of sadhana to kindle your desire and keep making it stronger and stronger the company of like minded people is a driving force in your practice those of us who are not yet perfect can easily be influenced by the company we we keep in the company of saint we behave like saint but in but in negative company but in negative company our animal tendencies manifest quite easily we do not intend to drop our spiritual quest and and get caught in the concern of the mundane world but until our until our desire for spiritual advancement becomes strong people and object can easily distract us us think of how affected how affected you are by your friend and family how often do you delay or miss your meditation practice to entertain and and please the people who are who are closest to you friends bring forth in you desires that are similar to theirs you have to be careful even in a spiritual even in a spiritual uh environment through introspection analyze your thoughts each and action and try to understand to what degree they are affected by your environment this study this self study and self analysis will minimize the negative effect of the company and help you keep your spiritual desire kindled also try to discover method of expanding your capacity this entails growing emotionally intellectually and spiritually by cultivating fortitude forbearance forgiveness kindness patience sincerity openness and a deeper understanding of life and a deeper understanding of life itself and ever increasing physical mental and spiritual capacity bring stability in practice a stable practice is what pushes us toward the goal and act as a magnet to pull the goal toward us create an environment in which 
you can maintain a constant awareness of your spiritual life this will keep your spiritual fervor high practically speaking self analysis self observation self study regularity of practice and high company are the key factor in helping you maintain a constant awareness of your inner life without them the help you receive from books and teachers as of little use in addition try to create and nurture a sense a sense of connection with the greatest source of strength divine grace divine grace no matter how satisfying or unsatisfying your practice is be aware of the lord of life within the awareness that the true guide is within will help you when you become discouraged doubtful or frustrated the power of surrender the power of surrender uh, supersedes all power because it draws forth divine grace the effort that you put into your practice is like a budding flower and a grace is like the fragrance of that flower if you cultivate this if you cultivate this flower and wait patiently until it blossoms and you will receive it its fragrance the journey's end the journey's end the journey's end the longing of the soul set us theek hai the the longing on the soul set us on the path and keep us there until we realize our true identity we may occasionally get sidetracked our pace may slow to crawl but even so we remain curious about who we are where we have come from and where we will go after we die it doesn't matter whether we are atheist or theist all of us under the influence of an invisible inner force that will not let us rest until we have unveiled the mysteries of life and attained a state of spiritual revelation which frees us forever from fear anguish and loneliness it is the longing for this freedom that impels us to undertake the spiritual journey and will not let us will not will not let us rest until we know ourselves on every level we can reach the goal only if we broaden our understanding of life and stubbornly refuse to settle for everything less than spiritual revelation we must understand the difference between developing psychic power and attaining spiritual wisdom and strive for the later even at the cost of the former as we have seen in the preceding pages we must not ignore our bodies and mind but it is folly to focus on these to the exclusion of the most subtle aspect of our being gaining access to our true self requires penetrating the outer layers of our beings one after the other but while doing this we must take care to become and and snared by the charm and temptation of the external world or by our own multi level personality finding a focus success is a spiritual endeavor requires a one pointed mind but before cultivating the skill of one pointedness we must be sure that we have our sight set on the highest truth spiritual revelation comes only from spiritual absorption or samadhi 
Samadhi requires a spiritual object into which the mind can be absorbed. Selection of this object is all important. A mind absorbed in a non-spiritual object may gain great power of concentration and may even exhibit miracle, miraculous power, but it cannot open our heart and connect them with the divine. Such practices and the experiences they induce have nothing to do with spirituality. This point is clarified by the following story version of which appear throughout the scripture. Long ago, there was a potter who lived near the main gate of the great city. He had nothing in the world but his potter wheel, a donkey to transport clay and clean to fire the pot and a and his skillful hand. All day long he sat in front of the rotating wheel giving shape to pot. He looked up from his work only when the only when the king and his uh, uh, retinue came riding by which their chariot and well-breed horse. Once the rider were gone, his concentration returned to the pot forming between his hand. Every now and then the memory of the strength and beauty of the king horses flickered through his mind. The potter had the potter had had one great quality and remarkably one pointed mind. He gained this one pointedness by concentrating his attention on the center of his on the center of his rotating wheel, even even when he was not actually making pot, just thinking of the center of the wheel allowed him to ward off all other thought and to attain such a deep state of mental absorption that awareness of time and space were left behind people thought that he was a great meditator they believed that by virtue of having such a one-pointed mind he must have attained inner wisdom eventually he became so famous for having mastered his mind that he was summoned to the royal place the king made a public declaration that if the potter could demonstrate his ability to withdraw his mind from all external affairs turn it inward and maintain this state of inner absorption for a prolonged period he would honor the potter with any gift he desired the potter was delighted he asked for the gift of the house and the king took him to the stable to select one the potter was a the potter was a good judge of horses and chose the best one in the stable, the magnificent red stallion that was the king's favorite mount. The party then turned to the king's audience hall and the, and the, and the potter sat down in the center of the room surrounded by the king and his, and his courtiers. The potter closed his eyes, withdraw his mind from all direction and focused his and focused it on the image of his wheel. Strangely, he found it hard. He found it hard to concentrate. His mind kept returning to the image of the red horse. His fear he would lose the bet created anxiety. But he was smart. He he switched his object of concentration from his potter wheel to to the red horse it worked he began meditating on the horse soon he lost his, soon he lost his external awareness and no longer remembered that he was sitting in front of the king surrounded by courtyard however he was still fully aware of the process of meditation himself 
as a meditator and the horse as an object of meditation he went deeper the trinity of meditation meditator and the object of meditation gradually dissolved into a homogeneous unity in that state however in that state however the thought of the the thought of the horse remained as the prominent stream of prominent stream of awareness thus in thus in a sense the potter awareness of meditation as a process and himself as a mediator merged into the object of merged into the object of meditation the horse the potter absorption deepened further slowly the horse with its uh, with its discrete body color shape dissolved only the idea of horse remained the mind was totally absorbed in pure unalloyed horse consciousness in his as his mind merged into pure horse consciousness the potter transcended the realm of time and space hour pass days pass month and year pass eventually the magni the magnificent red horse died then the king died and the prince assumed the throne all the while the potter remained absorbed in deep meditation <laughs> throughout the kingdom people spoke of the potter greatness potter greatness uh, regretting that he had he had lived among them they were too ignorant to recognize it now the assembled hall was reserved for the potter samadhi people came and bowed to him silently from a respectful distance decade elapsed eventually the potter consciousness began to descend from the high from the highest unitary state he again became aware of the horse as an entity with distinct limb and features he gradually became aware of himself as a meditation uh, became aware of as aware of himself as a mind as a mediator the horse of an object of meditation and process of meditation next he became aware <coughs> of the bed then the now dead king and assembly hall he was sitting finally he became aware of the whole scenario he opened his eyes and cried your majesty where is my red shoes where is my red horse people have expected that he would come back with some great spiritual revelation received in his deep meditation they were shocked and disappointed to discover that he brought back only the horse a mundane and a transient object as this story shows no matter which path we follow no matter which discipline we practice it is actually pursued only if it helps us gain access our access our true self a practice is a spiritual only if it helps us to penetrate the layer of our inner being ultimately reaching that domain where the soul develops in its perfect glory and bliss traveling in stages as part of the systematic journey we must discover the hidden wealth in our bodies the body is the vehicle in which we undertake the spiritual journey even when it is bogged down in experiences of pleasure and pain the body is is a key to find our lost treasure we must learn how to enjoy the gift of the body while using it to serve the purpose of the soul to discover our hidden wealth we have to learn to stop crippling the extraordinary abilities of the body and recapture and restore that we have lost understanding the principle of healthy 
understanding the principle of healthy diet how to keep the body strong and flexible and how to breathe properly are all indispensable to our spiritual unfoldment making sure that we do not turn the living shrine of the body into into a landfill is an integral part of our spiritual practice the next stage of the journey requires us to pay attention to the pranic shape the subtle body that is made of pure vital energy this vital energy known in yogic literature as the pranic force stands between the body and mind and regulates the activities of both other tradition call this call this force chi or hara it only sustains the body and mind but also maintains a harmonious balance between them if this energy is deranged the health and the well-being of both the body and mind are jeopardized according to the master therefore a system of spiritual practice will be incomplete and ineffective if it does not include technique for working with this force having gained some proficiency with the body and breath the spiritual aspirant next seeks to free the forces of the mind the mind can be the cause of bondage bondage and liberation or liberation as we come to understand the working of the mind we begin to notice how begin to notice how an unstable mind disturbs disturbs the harmony of both the physical and pranic physical and pranic bodies as well as the environment around us we acquire first hand experience of how useless thought and emotions prevent us from plumbing the depth of our inner selves at this stage the spiritual journey consists of practicing discipline that help us discover and overcome and overcome problem embedded in our embedded in our totally personal world the world of our the world of of our mind a well designed meditation meditation practice is the vehicle for understanding the dynamics of the mind as well as the the causes of mental tranquility and mental turmoil such a practice gradually trains the mind to turn inward as it does the practitioner begins to notice how the concentrated force of the mind penetrates its own sheath and unveils its own mystery eventually we discover something even more subtle than the ordinary mind our own personal realm of intelligence as as we journey inward we notice that the power of discrimination self trust self confidence and determination flow from the center of our own intelligence because we have not gained access to this realm we are dependent on the shallow aspect of the mind which we know how only how to argue doubt and we confuse a sincere seeker goes beyond the mysteries of the body pranic sheet and mind reaching the domain of pure intelligence here we lift the veil and experience the brilliance of higher intelligence in its full glory the key to completing the key to completing this stage of the journey successfully lies in refusing to be distracted by the bogus advice of the lower mind we must turn away from the charms and temptation of the conscious mind and refuse to be frightened by the content 
of the unconscious mind we must need our inner voice firmness of conviction is a sure sign that we have reached the realm of our realm of our intelligence here our experience becomes so clear and so satisfying that we have no need to verify their validity glimpse of pure bliss known as intuitive flashes begin to occur begin to occur spontaneously they are so intoxicating that we no longer care about the previous rules governing our journey we rush headlong toward the center of bliss when this happens worldly people may call us insane others may call us mystic driven by this driven by this spirituality insanity we cannot rest until we pierce the the thin wall of duality revealing the boundless bliss having penetrated having penetrated this mystery we understand how these how those who have not done so cling helplessly to mortal life while while those who are fully enlightened to go beyond and attain immortal infinite bliss thus the journey ends here here at the summit differences between universal consciousness and individual consciousness vanish the aspirant becomes an adept secular and sacred human and divine become one the mystery of birth and death the law of karma and the dynamics of reincarnation stand revealed in inebriated with the love divine the child of infinity lives in the world and yet remains above it for such a blessed one success and failure loss and gain honor and insult pleasure and pain birth and death having no meaning far above such distinction the realized being build a dwelling and disperses the light of love and knowledge and to all those still trapped by the narrow confines of caste creed nationality and cultish religious value such being are true light in the world for for darkness cannot stand against their brilliance they realize soul enter the enter the the leave enter and leave this world at will although this is where the although this is where the journey ends the journey ends those who have those who have reached the goal may continue on the path as the means of helping and guiding others they are true givers for they have found everything and need nothing glossary is agni sara the essence of fire a specific exercise to activate the navel center and unfold prana the vital energy ahimsa is non violence non harmfulness the first and fourth most virtue to be observed by yoga practitioner one of the five yamas or restraint that are the basis of spiritual practice ajna chakra the sixth center of consciousness located between the eyebrow the seat of the mind anahata chakra the fifth chakra also known as the heart center the seat of the air element apara vidya yani lower knowledge lower knowledge knowledge pertaining to the apparent phenomenal world as opposed to spiritual knowledge aparigraha is non possessiveness one of the five restraints 
that are fundamental to realization of spiritual goal asana is the physical postures of hatha yoga asteya is non stealing one of the five restraints that are the basis of spiritual practice atma shakti the power of atman inner strength also identified with kundalini with kundalini shakti atman is the pure self pure conscious the atman is the real self which is eternal its essential nature is truth consciousness and bliss and it permeates the states of waking dreaming and sleeping it remains above all mundane pain and pleasure as opposed to ego which identifies itself with the object of the world avidya is ignorance lack of knowledge mistaking one thing for something else the the primordial affliction which is the source of all other afflictions such as ego attachment aversion and fear it is overcome only by vidya the knowledge of the self next is bhagavad gita celestial song the yoga scripture consisting of 700 verses which is part of the epic mahabharat bhakti devotion unconditional love for the divine bhakti sutra one of the prominent text of bhakti yoga the yoga of love and devotion there are two bhakti sutra one by narada and another by shandilya bhastrika a pranayam practice is which both the inhalation and exhalation are activated by the muscle of the lower abdomen and are vigorous and forceful bhava is pure feeling state being worldly continuity the the delimited material existence subject to rebirth bij is seed root of all knowledge bij mantra a seed syllable and phenomenon which is the science of mantra is the focus of divine power brahmacharya is walking in walking in god consciousness control and freedom from all sensual craving one of the five observances that are the basis of spiritual practice brahman is all all pervading eternal and absolute and absolute truth buddhi is the intellect the faculty of reason and discernment chakra is center of consciousness there are seven center at the base of the spine the pelvic center the navel center the heart center the throat center the center between the eyebrows and the and the crown and the crown center <coughs> chinamasta is one of the 10 mahavidyas of tantra yoga the aspect of the aspect of divine magic the aspect of divine mother who the aspect of divine mother who out of compassion and concern for her devotees behaves herself so that her children can drink her blood and eat her body dahal is legumes a vegetarian dish consisting of beans devi mahatma is a scripture consisting of 700 mantras dedicated to the divine mother dharna is concentration mental attention the sixth rug of raj 
the sixth rung, rung of Raj Yoga. Next is mm-hmm. Dhyana is meditation, the seventh rung of Raj Yoga. Ghee is clarified butter. Ghee is clarified butter and essential dietary ingredient during the practice of intense pranayama. Guru is one who dispels the darkness of ignorance, a spiritual preceptor or guide. Guru Deva is a way of referring to the Guru with honor and respect, literally a bright being who dispels the darkness of ignorance. Ha is the last consonant of the Sanskrit alphabet. In the Hatha Yoga, he refers to the sun or solar energy. Ichcha Shakti is power of will, the pre, the primordial will, will of the divine, the intrinsic power of consciousness, the creative power, followed by the power of knowledge and the power of action. Isha Upanishad. One of the major Upanishads expounding profound philosophy and practices of yoga and yoga and Vedanta. Ishtadeva is the name and the form of God which is most suitable to, to an aspirant, the complete, the complete personal concept of personal concept of God. Next is Ishwara. Pranidhana is surrendered to God, the fifth of the Niyam or Vestain that form the foundation of spiritual practice. Next is Japa, remembering a mantra, the practice of repeating a mantra at each beat of the Mala. Jiva is an individual, Jiva is an individual soul, the state of, the state of consciousness that identifies itself with the body, mind and senses, thus isolating itself from the universal pool of of consciousness and thereby becoming the victim of pleasure and pain, birth and death. Next is general knowledge, awareness, observation. <coughs> Next is Kapalbhati, a cleansing practice in which the exhalation is forceful and the inhalation is passive. Karma is action. It includes the law of cause and effect, actions and reaction, the driving forces of one present and future. Next is Karma Yoga. The yoga of action, the practice of performing one action selflessly, lovingly and skillfully. Next is Karma Shaya, the realm of the mind field where all karmas are deposited. Next is Krama Diksha, a step-by-step initiation as opposed to the final initiation. Next is Kumbhaka, which is suspension of breath, breath retention. Next is Kundalini Shakti, the pre the primordial phase that remains dormant at at the base of the spine, the coiled up energy. Next is Kurma, which is uh, tortoise in India mythology, one of the incarnation of Vishnu, the god of sustenance and preservation in, in Tantra Yoga. Kurma refers to the force which function as the ground from which all other forces of creation function. Next is Kurma Nadi, the energy channel that originates at the base 
of the spine and runs up to the hollow of the throat it regulates the stability of the it regulates the stability of the mind stability of the mind next is mala a sting of 108 bead used for keeping the keeping a track okay a times mala is a number of times a mantra is repeated next is manipura chakra the third chakra located at the navel center the center of the fire element element literally the center filled with jewels next is mantra a set of divine syllables sound or word revealed to the sages and used by the mediator as object of meditation next is mantra shastra the literature pertaining to mantra and mantra and mantra sadhana next is marma asanas the centers of vital energy there are 108 vital energies throughout the body next is matsyendrasana the spinal twist done in padmasana an important yoga posture possibly invented by a yogi named matsyendra next is maya the primordial force form which the world of names and forms evolve maya has two main characteristics the power to weave and the power to project through these two instinct characteristics it wields the true nature of non objective consciousness and simultaneously project the illusion of objective awareness next is mudra that which bring forth happiness advance postures accompanied by pranayam used for attaining greater control over body and mind in tantra yoga mudras and hand gestures next is nada the eternal sound yogi here during meditation next is niyamas the five restraint that are the foundation of yoga practice cleanliness contentment austerities self study and surrender to god next is paravidya higher knowledge spiritual wisdom knowledge of beyond which cannot be through book or other conventional method of learning next is pashimottasana the posterior stretch one of the yoga asanas next is prakriti primordial nature the cause of the the cause of the manifest world primordial nature the cause of the manifest world next is prana which is the vital force that nourishes vital force that nourishes both body and mind the energy that keeps body and mind together and thus keeps being alive next is prana shakti the pranic force vital energy synonyms with prana next is pranayam control over the control over the expansion of vital force breathing exercises pranic sheath the body made of pranic energy this body is more subtle and transparent than the than the physical body next is pratyahara withdrawal of the senses the fifth rung in the eight fold path of 
एट फोल्थ पार्ट ऑफ हथी योगा नेक्स्ट इज पुराशर्ना द प्रैक्टिस ऑफ कंप्लीटिंग अ स्पेसिफिक नंबर ऑफ रिपीटेशन ऑफ अ मंत्रा विद इन अ डेजिग्नेटेड पीरियड ऑफ टाइम लिटरली द फर्स्ट स्टेप द फर्स्ट स्टेप टूवर्ड द डिवाइन एक्सपीरियंस नेक्स्ट इज राजयोग द रॉयल पाथ द पाथ ऑफ योगा इन विच द प्रैक्टिस इज डिस्क्राइब इन एट स्टेप यम नियम आसना प्राणायाम प्राणायाम प्रत्याहरा धरना ध्यान एंड समाधि नेक्स्ट इज रामायणा द टेल ऑफ राम हिस्टोरिकली द फर्स्ट स्क्रिप्चर ऑफ द संस्कृत लैंग्वेज नेक्स्ट इज ऋषि सीर अ सेट समवन हु इज ब्लेस्ड विद द रिवील्ड नॉलेज अ रिसीवर ऑफ अ रिसीवर ऑफ रिवल्यूशन नेक्स्ट इज साधना स्पिरिचुअल प्रैक्टिस सहज समाधि अ नेचुरल मेडिटेटिव स्टेट दैट एंटेल दैट एंटेल कॉन्स्टेंट अवेयरनेस ऑफ द इनर रियालिटी नेक्स्ट इज सहासरा चक्रा द क्राउन सेंटर द सेवेंथ चक्रा नेक्स्ट इज समाधि स्पिरिचुअल एब्जॉर्बन द एट्थ रंग ऑफ राजयोगा ट्रांक्वल स्टेट ऑफ माइंड इन विच फ्लक्चुएशन ऑफ द माइंड नो लॉन्गर अराइज समस्काराज इज मेंटल इम्प्रेशन क्रिएटेड बाय मेंटल इम्प्रेशन क्रिएटेड बाय पास्ट एक्शन नेक्स्ट इज संख्या द मोस्ट एंशियंट अमंग ऑल सिस्टम ऑफ इंडियन फिलोसफी इट स्टैंड एज अ बैकबोन ऑफ इट स्टैंड एज अ बैकबोन ऑफ योगा ऑफ योगा प्रैक्टिस नेक्स्ट इज संतोषा कंटेंटमेंट द सेकेंड ऑफ द फाइव ऑब्जर्वेंस that are fundamental to fundamental to spiritual practice next is sattva one of the three qualities gunas of the mag, of the manifest universe which is characterized by light and purity the force of the force of illumination next is sattvik which is illuminating uplifting energy the the force which is prerequisite for spiritual unfoldment next is satya truthfulness or non lying the second of the five restraint from form the basis of spiritual practice next is so socha purity cleanliness the first of the five observances that are basic to spiritual practice next is shakta which is uh, relating to shakti the divine mother next is shakti the divine mother primordial energy the eternal pulsation of consciousness next is sheshnag the cosmic snake who support the world on one of its many head and who sits on karma the tortoise next is shiva the auspicious one pure consciousness the lord of yogis next is siddhasana a sitting posture a sitting posture also also called the the accomplished pose it is considered to be the best posture for meditation siddhi a supernatural power achieved through yogic practice next is soham i am that a sound which flows with the breath and which can be used as focal point during meditation next is sabadhaya self study study of scripture the fourth of the five observances that are fundamental to spiritual that are fundamental to spiritual practice next is tapas that that which generate heat austerities including practices 
विच परफेक्ट द बॉडी माइंड एंड सेंस एंड गिव राइस टू दावर ऑफ डिटर्मिनेशन द सेकेंड ऑफ द फाइव ऑब्जेक्ट डेट आर देश डेट आर देश ऑफ स्पिरिचुअल प्रैक्टिस था इज द ट्वेल्थ लेटर ऑफ द संस्कृत एल्फाबेट इन हथ योगा था रेफर्स टू दून और लूनर एनर्जी नेक्स्ट इज Tratka is gazing a yogic practice that develops the power of concentration. Gazing is a delicate practice which must be done under the guidance of an experienced teacher and practiced with caution. Next is Ujjayi, a pranayama practice that involves a controlled inhalation and exhalation through a slightly constricted throat. Next is Uma, another name of Shakti, the divine. another name of shakti the divine mother next is upanishad the last the last portion of the vedas the group of the the group of the scriptures which expound the philosophy of non dualism and yogic practice next is next is vairagya next is vairagya non attachment the practice of keeping the mind free from the worldly stains next is valmiki the author of the ramayanas next is vasanas subtle impression of past we that influence the actions we perform in the present habit pattern innate tendencies of mind subtle personality trait veda is the world most ancient scripture which contains the wisdom of the ancient sages according to yogic tradition every word of the veda is revealed next is vichara which is contemplation next is visudha chakra the fifth chakra located at the throat center the center of space next is yamas the five observations that regulate an aspirant relationship with other being non violence non violence truthfulness non stealing discipline of senses and non possessiveness next is yantra a geometrical diagram mm. that impart a visual understanding of the invisible forces of nature a geometric figure laden with symbolic meaning often used as an as an object of as an object of concentration next is yoga the indian philosophy systemized and codified by the sage Pat- patanjali it also refers to the practical aspect of any philosophy particularly sankhya literally yoga referring to the uniting of the individual self and and universal self next is yoga mudra next is yoga mudra Uh, an advanced practice of breath retention done in the lotus posture it should be practiced only after long preparation and under the guidance of a competent teacher next is yoga sutra a collection of 196 aphorism formulated by patanjali to systematize and organize the ancient science of yoga next is yogi a practitioner of yoga one who adapts the the practice
ओके अबाउट दी ऑथर इज पंडित राजमणि तेगुनेत पी एच डी दी स्पिरिचुअल डायरेक्टर ऑफ द हिमालयन इंस्टीट्यूट अ लाइफ लॉन्ग प्रैक्टिशनर ऑफ मेडिटेशन एंड द स्कॉलर ऑफ एंशियंट स्क्रिप्चर ही इज डिसाइपल ऑफ श्री स्वामी रामा ऑफ द हिमालयाज एंड हैज स्टडीड विद वेरियस अडेप्ट एंड स्कॉलर्स इन इन द एंशियंट गुरु डिसाइपल लीनियज ही इज अ he is a regular contributor to yoga international magazine and is the and is the author of the book seven systems of indian philosophy yoga on war and peace yoga on war and peace the tradition the tradition of the himalayan master and shakti sadhana he is he is currently working on a book on mantra as well as and audio cassette series and gives lectures and seminars throughout the united states and abroad front cover illustration by debbie palen cover design and layout by janet robertson interior design by joan dasdik gilner spirituality yoga the answers are within questions inner quest weaves together more than 100 questions and answers on subject that spiritual seekers wants to know the sacred in everyday life choosing a path meditation mantras understanding the mind overcoming obstacles diet and nutrition karma death and dying reincarnation relationship teachers and student chakras higher consciousness enlightenment the answers these question pandit tegunath draws on the knowledge he gathered from the scripture accomplished teacher his own spiritual journey as well as his experience with other seekers and student on the path inner quest grow out pandit rajmani tegnet by monthly column by the same name in yoga international yoga international magazine uh, yoga international rr1 box 407 honstale uh, pa18431 फोन नंबर इज वन एट हंड्रेड फाइव एट सिक्स वन ट्रिपल सेवन